Davis Crabtree Do you see what I see On the gentle winds of morn A million birds are singing Like the bells of heaven ringing Because it's a double of Charles B. Pierce's Legend of Boggy Creek and George Wagner's Universal Classic, The Wolfman. And here with me, the talk legends, is author and podcaster Hayden Gilbert. Hey, how's it going? Hey, hey, Lindsay. It's been a long time, but it's been it, it's nice to be back. Uh, this lovely introduction and Harry and Lonely uh, that needs to go on my tombstone. <laughs> Why is he hairy and why is he lonely? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, well, lonely is what I took away from uh, Special and Boggy Creek because, uh, mm. well, there's a song, about, there is a whole song about why is this creature so lonely and, and just really it's about a man who just wants to connect with his community and constantly get shot at. So I can't mm-hmm. wait to get into it. Just like the Wolfman. Uh, all these, because at first when you brought this up to me, Lindsay, a mm. uh, little peek behind the curtain, Lindsay, uh, a little while back was like, Hayden, why would would you like to come on to talk about Legend of Body Creek and the Wolfman? And I was like, those are two Hayden Cannon films. Of course, I would love to come on. That's that's like, I love these two movies. But I, I will be honest. I was like, I wonder what the connection is beyond their Harry. However, the after watching them both back to back, relatively back to back, and you just saying that, I'm like, wow, these do make a good thematic double feature. Harry and Lonely. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's so, yeah, they're just wandering around in the woods, just trying to be themselves. No, it's, and just, no, it's not working that well. Usually when I'm, <laughs> should... it's not working that well. <laughs> it's usually when I'm like, oh, I haven't had Hayden on for a while. I should try to get him on. It's because we haven't been able to, uh, yeah, I think the last one was Halloween, which was far too long ago. So um, usually, yeah, yeah, usually I'll do some letterbox talking, but this time I didn't until I was just looking at, and then I saw, oh, well, yes, this is actually more perfect for Hayden than I thought, than I thought the movies were. So uh, because I know you are, well, I already knew, well, I didn't realize how much, I didn't see, I didn't check your ratings for them. So I just assumed that, because I know you're a cryptid boy. You like, you generally, and you love monsters. Oh, so, I am a cryptid boy for sure. Yes. So, which is why I thought about it. And then when I was logging my letterbox, I saw your ratings. I went, oh yeah, this is perfect. We're, this is going to be absolutely amazing. And I was a bit worried. Do you even have Boggy Creek? And he was like, oh, of course I have the Blu-ray. What are you talking about? So, no, this is absolutely, 
perfect. Um, so I cannot wait to get into it. Um, so we, yeah, we might as well, <laughs> since I'm already talking, um, big foot, so big feet. I have no idea what the plural is, but I think it, you know what, this is a hotly contested, uh, subject in the cryptid community. I, th- in the crypto zoological community, I think personally, I think the plural is still Bigfoot. Like it just sounds feet. right yeah, to me. Yeah. It just sounds right to me. Yeah, because big feet or big foots does sound Bigfoot sounds way too adorable for what a Bigfoot is. And <laughs> same with big feet, actually. Big feet. And the same goes with Sasquatch. I think it's yes. just the same plural as it is singular. Sasquatch and Bigfoot. Yeah, exactly like sheep. Okay. That that makes yes. so much so much more sense. But I'm really excited to dig into into these for so many reasons. I mean Oh my god! When we get into the Wolfman, I'm like, oh, I, I forget how much I do love this movie. Man, um, it is one of those ones. It's like you always, I mean, you always think about Dracula. You always think about, uh, you know, Frankenstein, and whatnot. And Wolfman's always up there. But uh, you're right. It's like I always forget how good the movie is, not just the monster. Yes, yes, it, it's because it doesn't have one of those big names like the what. Uh, browning all the whales so you tend to forget right. that it so speaking of which i know you do hate this movie with a passion you matt i think i can't remember if mark does as well um but i finally did go see renfield last night um oh boy <laughs> <laughs> i love that first uh, 10 minutes or whatever or five i guess like two minutes but two minutes. i like that stuff yes um i was the only one cackling my head off at that first 10 minutes like it's so I, char it's so charming i yes. i recently read that that wasn't even originally part of the idea the director uh, the director came on board it like wasn't his project from the beginning oh, uh, chris mckay yeah. or whatever yeah and he came on board and he was like oh well we should we should, you know, take the original footage from the first movie and like just, you know, digitally insert the actors in it. And so I'm like, that's, I mean, what a stroke of genius. I, I personally, I know a lot of people are like, why would you want to see a whole movie of that? Uh, I, honestly, I kind of wish that was the whole movie, but you know, yeah, well, that, yeah, each of their own. It would have been really fun. Nicholas Holt does, they make him do actually look a lot like. Renfield, uh, Dwight Fry, when especially when he's at the stairs doing the laugh, yes. I kind of wish they just held on that a little bit because that laugh is so creepy in in Dracula. Uh, yes. But yeah, only one. There was like actually surprisingly still quite full considering how long it's been even in Australia. But uh, yeah, I was the only one who got that. No one else knew it. I was just there <laughs> acting. It was right. Everyone else was like, we're here for the bug eating superpowers. Yes. We want Aquafina as the cop. We love this shit. Get yes. Dracula out of this Dracula movie. Yeah, it was kind of... <laughs> I kind of got the sense for the trailer, but it is... I mean, I don't think I did dislike it as much as you and um, uh, Matt. Matt. Really, Matt, really, 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 does he detest a movie as much as he detested this one? <laughs> I, I feel bad. I hope I didn't poison the well for Matt because I, I think I told him right whenever I got out of it. Hmm. what i thought of it so i hope i didn't inf- influence him but I, I think he just came from it from the from the same perspective i did i don't think mark has seen it yet i think mark will think it's fine dan really liked it didn't he he did yes i kind of did like it i think because my expectations were quite low going in and i just enjoyed whenever cage was there and mm-hmm. i do like the idea of Brinfield having to go to a um narcissistic couple's 
the toxic relationship. It's a cute, that's a cute idea. It's a yeah. cute idea. I wish they did more with it. Yeah, just Nick Cage, especially when he's freaking being Bella. I'm just like, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's letting all the influences shine through that performance. <laughs> he really, really is. Yeah, it's, it, yeah I guess it was going to be a superhero movie, and it was. But there were still elements I enjoyed to it. But it was um, good. Yeah. yeah. Um, though I can understand why you're looking at this, especially when you you're kind of promised the vibes of the 1931, and then you get the rest. Of the yeah. Movie. Yeah. I just I have a really bad habit of going in, like imagining a certain movie, and then being disappointed when shock of all shocks it's not the movie that i've made up in my head beforehand so yeah it's, it's a that is a me problem and i need to, i need to work on it but it it is it continues to uh to let me down to this day but maybe i'll fix it in the future i don't know no it, it's it's definitely not a perfect movie but to see uh nick cage in a red kind of smoking jacket is always worth it so his costumes were great yes and yes. his makeup was really good too yeah, actually, oh, I really love the makeup, especially when you realize he, oh, he is in makeup. Um, yes. Yeah, so it's, it, yeah, it's got its ups and downs. Like, I think it kind of wanes from the end because the ending is, I really do like the beginning, especially when you find out that he's, that first kill, uh, fight scene, I do kind of enjoy, but then it kind of starts, it can't keep up the energy for some, yeah, but. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. I felt similar, yeah. Yes. Um, but to go on to a, a modern monster legend uh the legend of boggy creek <laughs> uh curtains are opening oh actually i would have loved to see this at a um big screen like well the way it was meant to be intended a drive-in the history of this is absolutely yes. fascinating hayden what is going to be your first trailer for the legend of boggy creek all right so my first trailer is going to be less thematically appropriate i usually like to throw in at least one trailer that doesn't have the same subject matter but it's like thematically similar but this one is uh this one is tied because of the director i really love charles b pierce and his other big big you know drive-in classic movie uh is going to be my first trailer uh for the tra- the the town that dreaded sundown floyd reed age 34 murdered in his home on may 3rd mrs reed shot twice but survived. This man's identity is unknown. He was believed to be between 30 and 40 years old. He wore a white hood and was known only as the Phantom Killer. World War II had just ended. In Texarkana, Arkansas, boys had come home to their families. Husbands reunited with their wives. It was a happy, peaceful time. Until the Phantom Killer struck. For four months, he held an entire city in the icy grip of terror. Now, Charles B. Pierce brings this incredible, shocking, and true story to the screen in The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Yes! The, the, oh, shit, he directed, I'm just clicking that he directed the original. Yes, well, I mean, it, it it's easy to kind of forget that. The only reason that it's, it's like, it's not household knowledge. I mean, like normal, normal average everyday people do not know who Charles B. Pierce is, but like down in my area, since we are so close to Texarkana, Hmm. he's like a local, not like a local legend, but I mean, he's the only big 
director filmmaker to come from there. So, I mean, I, I knew it growing up, but only because I was familiar with Boggy Creek. And then later, you know, I was fascinated with serial killers and stuff like that. And then whenever I found out Texarkana had its own Zodiac, like its own Zodiac killer, a, a murderer who was never found. And there was a movie made about it. And it was directed by the guy who made the legend of Boggy Creek. I was like, I've got to see this thing. Yeah. I'm surprised I didn't put two and two together because he went back and went, Oh, what's another local legend about Texarkana? And it happened to be this Zodiac style killer. And then he put a stack on his head. And then even the remake in 2014, which I have a soft spot for, is, I love that. I love that movie. The, yeah, the way that it kind of um, just goes, okay, so we're showing the movie at the drive-in and then we're going to kick off a whole thing and it just keeps pulling back the whole, um, oh yeah, we're making a movie kind of thing. It's, yes. it's so That cool. director, uh, I, I know I know we're, my trailer is for the original, but we're going to talk about the remake just a little bit because yeah. I never get to. Grandma, do you remember anything about the murders? Your great-grandpa and your great-grandma lived in this house when it happened. He was the boogeyman, they said. Can't catch the boogeyman. Can't kill the boogeyman. You know, before that summer, everybody would leave their doors unlocked. And after the summer, you saw a stranger. You'd run the other way. And now, he's back. That director, uh, Alfonso uh, uh, Rayon, I think yes, his name is. Yes, Al- Alfonso Gomez Rayon. Yeah. Yes. What happened to him? Because he was such a stylish director, and like he was like Martin Scorsese's protege, and then yeah. he just like disappeared. It was yeah, because this is the it was the I saw the remake first because I think someone mentioned it, hmm. and then I went, oh, hang on, this is based on a real murder. Hang on, this is based on an, another movie, and then of course as that rabbit hole goes, you go. Yes. It's like a nesting doll kind of thing. Yeah. You go watch the original movie. And I think there's some really cool scenes in, in the original, especially with the freaking trombone uh, is, (laughs) is, is the memorable one, which they do recreate in in the remake. Um, But no, it's got a, Charles B. Pierce has has got a really amazing thing of um, sense of place just because he keeps filming the landscape of a very specific area. But no, this is yes. a great trailer. I was thinking of the remake um, purely because, and I just did mm. not think that, I just didn't click that Charles B. Pearson directed the original, which makes so much more sense now. Yeah, when I uh, when I was growing up, I had seen, we'll get into it, but I had seen Legend of Body Creek from a very early age. And it was like, it was like a big deal in our family. But my aunt had seen and would always talk about she was like a horror fan there uh i really uh i really like bonded with the few people in my family who were horror fans growing up and my aunt would always tell me about this movie where she was like it's so scary there's this movie where the killer ties a a knife to the end of a trombone and like like you know stabs somebody as he's playing the trombone and in my head as a young kid I was not like, this is silly. This is camp. I was like, that is the scariest thing I've ever heard in my life. And so it came out on like a Blu-ray and she got it for me for Christmas. So was it on Blu-ray or DVD? Cause I could have sworn it was older than 
like it was earlier than that but i don't know she got it for me for christmas one day and we watched we watched it on christmas she was like this is the movie this is the movie and we all watched it together and of course my mom was horribly disturbed <laughs> but but uh it, yeah it couldn't have been the blu-ray because that came out like a few years ago from scream factory i think yes it did yeah, yeah, I think the remake kind of went, oh, reminded people that there was this other 70s, yes. very early kind of slasher movie that people had forgotten about. And whenever that happens, people tend to get very excited. Yeah, so it must have been like a uh, an old DVD or something. Because I remember being like a young teenager and watching it. And and I'm not that young. And so, but, but, like, but we were watching it, and that is just a... You mentioned his sense of place, mm. and we're definitely going to get into this later. And that is like one of the strongest um elements to his movies that i've seen i love how he like mythologizes this place in the middle of nowhere he's like texarkana is my middle earth <laughs> and i'm going to like exploit every bit of it let you know the geography the landscape the kinds of people who live here and i'm going to tell their stories and i love that about his filmmaking yeah, because it is this one very specific location that I had no idea about. I didn't know that Texarkana existed. I didn't know much of anything about it. And when you watch one of his movies, you're in this town or this yes. area. Um, and it's a very unique place. And he he's never, he yeah, you're right. He does kind of mythologize it a lot. It's not about mocking it. It's not about even like the Texor Chainsaw Massacre, which I was very influenced by, well, not influenced by, but Bogey Creek started a trend, which uh, Texel mm. Massacre just went, oh, this is mine now. Um, that kind of <laughs> yeah. uh, makes it, that kind of goes, oh, this is what this is. And we're just sort of um, not mocking, but kind of go, yeah, they're all crazy kind of thing. Um, mm. But this is something completely different. And for some, yeah, we'll get into it when we get into it. But yeah, that, no, the Texas... Um, Town, town that dreaded sundown. Sorry, my brain just went That's off for a second. <laughs> what, mm -hmm. a, what movie are we talking about again? Um, yeah, the town that dreaded sundown is the perfect opening trailer for that, just because of that sense of place and everything like that. And it's very Charles B. Pierce. Like I was like, holy crap. <laughs> okay, I. That means I am going to go for my tr second tr first trailer i am going to go for something that has a very strong sense of place that kind of mythologizes something but is uh actually one of the scariest movies i've seen in the last little while mainly because mm. i watched it on my own at night during the pandemic and <laughs> which is the perfect actually way to watch the neil jordan's descent Breathe. Sarah, you have to calm down. I'm coming, I'm coming back. Okay? Okay. Okay, move. Now! Now! This is not good, guys. Can we get out of here? Which way? I don't know. Sarah, could she saw someone back So what? I don't think I saw someone. I you heard something and you saw what you wanted to see. It's the dark. It plays tricks on people. Oh. Yeah, it's I mean 
yeah, The Descent is a movie that you always hear about for a while, then you watch and go, yeah, that actually was terrifying. And this is not a yes. movie that does not need monsters, but it's better because it does. Actually, it's a relief <laughs> the monsters are there because I don't have to be concentrated. Like, I'm in a small cave and I'm not happy. <laughs> it's like that is a movie that delivers on something you weren't even anticipating, unless you're like, you know, genre savvy, you kind of knew what you were getting into going in. Hmm. I showed that movie to my dad. He had no idea. And that movie just plays so well whenever it introduces the monsters because it is already horrifying. Hmm. And then it's like, oh, yeah. Also, it's a creature feature. And you're yes. like, holy crap. Yes. It, it kind of gets you excited. It's kind of this extra level because you're already terrified. These women are already stuck in this very this cave. And they can't see, they're already breaking down, which I would be the second, like, one. You wouldn't find me cave diving at all. But the fact <laughs> that they've been kind of tricked into doing this tunnel and then they can't get out and then everything's going wrong and then the monsters arrive. It's almost that it's so perfect timing that you're like, yes! Yeah. Now it's even more insane and more creepy and terrifying because you can't <laughs> see them properly and it's, yeah. That is a good, this is a good pick because I always forget just because of how scary the movie gets and intense it gets. Mm. I always forget how well it does set up the place, the setting. Um, that, that's a very good observation. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it would have all been, I think it was all sets when they did it because you could no, never film in a place like that. But the way it kind of sets up every sort of character perfectly, it feels very realistic, uh, mainly because mm -hmm. I think because it was sort of low budget, Neil Jordan doesn't doesn't have a tendency to use sort of big name actors, so you kind of believe these characters a little bit more without mm -hmm. worrying about their personas. No, it but yeah, it's just such an effective movie. So um, no, but yeah, I do, I do love this movie. As soon as I watched, it, I was like, yes, now I know why everyone keeps harping on about the Descent because it's an awesome movie. That is a great movie, and it's like a I don't I I wouldn't even necessarily call it a dark horse. It is mm -hmm. like pretty regularly called like it in my memory a lot of people always say that it, it might be the best horror movie of the 2000s yeah yeah and it, I, I would agree with that see the argument being made for that yeah you know it, it kind of because neil jordan is kind of one of those feels like one of those weirdly like he's been relegated to these mid-level directors even though he directed dog soldiers the other werewolf movie this huh. movie and because he was now known from the game of thrones um, yes. I think he's being kind of there, but when you actually look at his movies, like Doomsday and everything like that, I'm like, oh man, I wish he kind of made more movies. But I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm very sad to see where where his career has like what his career has become because I want to see Doomsday. I really, do, I, I wasn't a huge fan of uh, Dog Soldiers mm. just because while I love werewolves, I, I don't like, I just can't get into military stuff. Yeah, but um. But I really love the descent and Doomsday looks like fun as hell. And I wanted to see the medieval one he did as well. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. Centurion, yet, but I know that. I think? Yeah, I think it's Centurion, but yes. I do yeah, I do need to see that. Um, it's a little sad that he's stuck in direct to streaming kind of mode, but I think he, he has a, a muse. This uh he's working with this actress who like is co-writing all these new movies that they're doing together. Oh, and so that's kind of a cute yeah. little relationship that they have. Um, I don't really care for either the movies that they've done together so far, but uh, I don't know. I, I was very, I was really 
excited whenever I found out he wasn't doing Last Voyage of the Demeter, though, because for a long time he was rumored to do that. And I'm much more of an Andre Overdahl fan than I am a Neil fan. Me too. However, I mean, The Descent is undeniable. It's a great it's, movie. It's such a good movie. And just the fact that he it, it does feel very handheld at times, which suits the thing and yeah, all that kind of... Um, mm. But yeah, I am looking for forward to the last voyage uh i yes. i know that movie has been in production for like nearly 20 years but um it <laughs> came know. as a surprise to me i found out this later and uh -huh. i am as soon as I, I was watching the trailer i'm like this sounds i'm like oh shit they're doing the dracula on a boat movie finally it's like i know like i it, it's such a great premise i think it looks amazing i think andre overdahl is like a, an incredibly well uh he, he's really deft at like uh aesthetic man i think his movies are beautiful but like i'm just glad that one of these horror movies escaped that void like a lot of horror movies have been like just disappearing there's of course i talk about it every podcast i'm on salem's lot has just vanished off the face of the earth there was another one by david slade called dark harvest which is a killer scarecrow movie based uh, adapted from a book that it's it's okay but yeah. it would make a better movie he's made it 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 exists but there's no trailer there's no poster it was supposed to come out last september and it didn't and voyage of the demeter was one of those two it kept getting just like delayed and like would vanish so i'm glad that something snuck through this weird horror like I don't know this this thief in the night that's stealing all these horror movies from their release schedule. Yeah, I mean, we were meant to get like a Karen Kusama Dracula movie, but then yes. that got canned. Um, yeah, I'm kind of glad it did because you're right. I mean, where is Salem's Lot? I keep hearing that the, they've made it, but it's just <sighs> it I can't get into it or I'll cry. Oh man, <laughs> I'm just it breaks my heart that it, I don't know if it'll ever come out at this point. Yeah, and so it's kind of glad that this is coming out. And um, I mean, the Boogeyman came out, which was the Stephen King Boogeyman. Yeah. yeah, which actually wasn't as bad as I thought going in. Like I was a bit okay, right? And you were doing... one of the few uh, positive reviews I saw on it before mm. I went to go see it. And so I was a little sad that I saw it getting panned, but I was glad that you liked it. And I wound up going in and and enjoying it as well. It. It wasn't what I was hoping it would be, but uh, but yeah, I, I I I liked it for what it was. Yeah, I liked it for what it was. I think it was it was very safe. That was probably my biggest kind of thing. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, they're doing everything that if you're making a movie horror, a small budget horror movie now, it's doing hitting all the beats that you. Yes. But I like Sophie Thatcher. I like Christmas Cena. I liked some of the little bits and pieces. But yeah, it's it's a standard horror movie. It's fine, but yeah, no, it's um. No, it's it's not as I don't think it's as bad as people say it is. Like it's no, I don't I don't think so either. I think it's perfectly cromulent, as they say. <laughs> yes, that is the perfect what they should put on the poster. Perfectly cromulent. <laughs> put it on the poster. Perfectly cromulent. Exactly. What is going to be your second trailer for the Legend of Boggy Creek? So my second trailer, I was deciding between a, a few because there's a lot of there's not a lot of great Bigfoot movies but there are quite a few that I enjoy. However, I've got to go with a kind of non-traditional pick for my second trailer. It is uh, a trailer for a documentary called Not Your Typical Bigfoot Movie. Man. 
I know what's in these woods, and they're in these woods right here. There's probably over 100, 150 pictures, stills and regular snapshots of Bigfoot we have. And right here is my black Bigfoot, right there. It is a Bigfoot. It's in the Wayne National Forest in the swamp area. See this? All of them are Bigfoot sitting here. You see them? You see their heads? I don't have I feel you here, have mama. Knock you loose. Woo! Mama. 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 I want to succeed and prove to Ohio, South County, and our town, hometown, for which we to know. Prove to them that Bigfoot does exist. This town was on the map many, many years ago. But still moving out of here, it took a lot of men up north. Oh, I have not seen this. So it's a very, very lo-fi documentary. I don't know if I've ever seen anything else made by um, the same filmmakers. It is, it's got that regional quality that uh, Legend of Boggy Creek has. Hmm. I, I just remember the DVD was released a while back through that company oscilloscope i think oh okay yeah and so i picked it up because i was like documentary about bigfoot of course and it is sort of about bigfoot but yeah. not really it's about these two guys who are these kind of old like you know how there's has-beens these are two guys who never were, right? So yes. like they never really made it anywhere. They never really did anything with their lives. All they have is each other, like their friendship. And what they do together is they just look for Bigfoot. And they have ever since they were kids. And they live in this town that is like a blue collar wasteland. It was like a steel mill town that is just, yeah. of course, you know, that went bust. And so everybody is kind of like, jobless and drifters and layabouts and stuff like that and it's like it's a very sober like sobering documentary about these two guys and and then like in the middle of it one of them gets kind of taken in by uh you've heard of the show finding bigfoot right yes it's that i guess it's probably the most famous of those quote-unquote reality shows where they look for bigfoot yeah 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 <laughs> yeah and the main host is named matt moneymaker <laughs> which should give you the <laughs> yeah. you know what what the, it actually is yeah yeah all you need to know yeah well he enters into the documentary and he takes one of the old guys under his wing and is trying to like exploit him oh no for, like and it's like crazy that you're like what the what the hell like you're seeing this weird side of this like you know semi-famous media personality that you never would have thought you'd get he's like this cynical businessman asshole and he's all he's trying to do is break up these two friends and it's just like a it's a very <laughs> melancholic documentary but it is it's kind of stuck with me all these years later it's a uh it's it's really sweet because it's like it's like giving a voice to these lovable losers who no one would ever ever pay attention to and uh, yeah. it's a really good little movie. I was going to say it was sounding like American movie the, the Bigfoot yes. of American movie until the other guy shows up but um what's his name is the megalomaniac of that friendship so um yes it yes. is like a that is a very good comparison. It is like American movie but with Bigfoot. Yes. No, I I think I need to see this because <laughs> 
this sounds absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my my partner found a show of um friggin' uh, Jack Osborne and um, Jason Hughes of all people hunting Bigfoot. I think I made up through one episode, and then <laughs> when I realized, oh, it's just these guys hanging out in the woods, which usually I should like, but I'm like. Well, that's what me and my friends used to do. I don't know how fun it is watching it, but part of the fun of legend, yes, part of the fun of legend tripping and like going to haunts and stuff like that and looking for local legends, the fun is just hanging out with your friends and like, you know, maybe you see something you can't explain. It probably isn't going to happen, but, you know, it's an excuse to, you know, hang out basically exactly i mean what's the point yeah you get to hang out with your friends it's about all the friends you meet along the way especially with um yeah legend hunting and all that kind yeah, of it's something thing. to do other than like going to get coffee or going to see a movie exactly. you want to go look for bigfoot yeah let's go look yeah. for bigfoot. i like that idea let's go bigfoot i like yeah let's do it for my final trailer i'm gonna go for another regional uh movie that was made um actually baltimore was having a hell of a um uh, scene in the 70s and 80s um, but I'm going to go for Don Dollar's Night Beast 1980 Oh A high tech warrior from a distant planet A killing machine with a taste for human flesh A community abandoned in a code of silence Wicker never even called the state. They don't even know we have a bad situation here. A love affair. You know, you're a very attractive girl, Lisa. Two people brought together by the urgency of the moment. Two people torn apart by the savage fury of Night Beast. I'm sorry, Jamie. There was nothing that could be done. The most vicious creature to ever span the intergalactic void has come to pay its respects. Beast. Yes. I only just saw it and I was very excited about it. It is... I know this is a remake, so he had a little bit of money behind this compared to, I think, Alien Factor, which must have had no money in, like, 1972. I, we- I love the idea that, like, Night Beast had a little bit of money behind it. <laughs> <laughs> they still spend it on the mask, and that was it. But, um, no, it's a kind, it's kind of an adorable movie. It is. Yeah. Yeah, it goes, like, a lot of low-budget exploitation movies, it goes into these really bizarre story threads because they have to pad out the movie, so you do get a drunk mayor, sad, because he's meant to be the mayor from Jaws. He's not listening about the danger. Still has a party, but then loses everything and spends the rest of the movie sad until his head's chopped off by Night Beast. Now, night yeah. remind me, Lindsay, Night Beast, is that the one that they're watching in Mandy? Yes, that is the okay. one they're watching. Okay, yeah. I have seen that one, yeah. Yeah, it is um, the kind of movie that, uh, what's his name, would absolutely put in, in Mandy. It's got that, I don't know, It's there's a cheese goblin factor to this movie. I can't quite explain <laughs> put that on the poster there's a cheese goblin factor in this movie that i can't quite explain yes. that is a perfect pull quote yeah um <laughs> it yeah it is just it's a very endearing movie i love very low low budget regional filmmaking where people are just coming together to make a movie um kind of like charles b pierce though he's kind of wrangling that you have to wrangle all the locals together to try and do this one thing, which I can't imagine yes. is easy in any circumstance, especially like something like Texarkana, which is like looking at everyone they don't know going, 
do I shoot you right now? Um... <laughs> <laughs> there is such a community, like a communal quality to these where it's yes. like, I, you, you put it perfectly. It's like getting the town together. It's like the, the, the third act of any like small town movie where the town has to act together to, to, to put on the big show, the big yes. talent show or something. That's all these movies where it's like Dom, what's his name? Dom Dollar. Yes. Dom, Dom Dollar. <laughs> all his movies that I have seen at least are like, they all climax with a bunch of Pat Paul's running through the woods with shotguns, shooting at a guy in a suit. And it's like, it's so fun because it's clearly like, okay, get Cletus on the horn. We gotta, we gotta, sh we gotta shoot, shoot this, uh, <laughs> gotta shoot shoot this Friday. Yeah. <laughs> Again, a very American movie and very, uh, not your normal Bigfoot movie. It is yes. how you wrangle these people who aren't, necessarily in the industry and which is kind of when i was watching um legend of boggy creek because i was not expecting to be it to be as documentary as it was i knew it was based on the sightings yes. of whatever was happening in the i think 60s 50s 7 so it's kind of all through yeah it's through those decades yeah, yeah. um that is a very specific these sightings and these kind of um things were happening to this community um, I just wasn't mm -hmm. expecting him to show up on someone's farm, um, which I'm probably sure he probably did ask first, but um, <laughs> and going, hey, can I interview you about this thing that you saw 15 years ago? I want to ask you mm. how, because it's one of the most interesting aspects of the movie to me, how do you classify Legend of Boggy Creek? What kind of movie is this? Here in this primitive river-bottom wilderness in southern Arkansas, along with deer, duck, crane, and beaver, lurks a creature that walks upright. Whether it is a man, a monster, or a myth, no one really knows. What we do know is the people around Falk, Arkansas, say they have seen such a creature nearly 250 times since 1954. And that this creature, whatever it is, emits one of the most terrifying sounds ever recorded. idea because it is about five different movies it is a document it's a nature documentary yes it is a horror movie but i would only say the last act is a horror and actual horror movie mm -hmm. um because it's a but also it's a fake documentary because you have all these weird um re recreations but it never kind of like a usual documentary you know when something's meant to be a recreation like it kind of lets right. you know this movie's like still in oh no this is all happening kind of yes. thing. Um, I, and then it turns into a musical at one point. So <laughs> it is I I I personally do not know how to classify it. I think fake documentary is a is a good is as close as you're gonna get. Whatever kind of movie it is might be my favorite kind of movie because it like chops it up and is so like 
Okay, now we're going to do a little bit of this. Now we're going to do a little bit of that. Something that I love from my favorite Martin Scorsese movies where he's just breaking all the rules and like doing whatever feels right in the moment. Yeah. That's kind of like this. Like you will have these, re- like you said, these reenactments that feel just as real as the other, as the like nature footage. And then you'll get like, typical documentary footage of a guy like pointing out to a field and you'll hear his narration telling you what's going on. And then, like you said, you'll get these musical sequences and I'm like, you never really know what's (laughs) what quite is like the tone that they're going for, but it is such a unique atmospheric kind of vibe to the whole movie that I just like, I just sink into it like a, like a light like a swampy bath <laughs> it really is it took me a bit to sort of go okay so what am i watching what is this what's the tone and it, you're right the movie it's like scorsese when he's like oh you know what i'm just gonna go into a jello moment here for the next five minutes because it feels right <laughs> for the moment and i want to um yes. this movie does the same thing and it's might be more of a case of this is kind of the footage that uh, Charles B. Pierce was ma- managed to cobble together but I can imagine why watching this back in 1972 it would have been so scary because people were watching this documentary and then the final act kind of takes over and you're actually watching this um, I don't necessarily think he was talking to them I think he was just trying to come in and say hey can I come over for dinner this looks like yeah he just house. wanted like a, he just wanted like a hamburger like, yeah, a, exactly. like a meatloaf a slice yeah. of meatloaf or something yeah. yeah he just wanted someone to make him a meatloaf and hang out for a while and um, yeah. Yeah, watch some TV <laughs> Um, and then everyone screamed and shot at him. It's so, but I can imagine that final sequence really terrifying people because they're settled into this documentary mode. So you're accepting what's happening, but I'm sort of watching it going, wait, is Charles B. Peace? Is it, oh, this is Charles singing. Wait, what? <laughs> Are we in Scorsese's kitchen with his mother talking about this painting she painted? And then, you know, the legendary lines, oh yeah, that dog's looking to the right, the dog's looking to the left from, um, from Joe Pesci. <laughs> <laughs> it is like it is just okay so i want to coin out can you and i coin a term on this episode yes because i think the perfect name for this genre is folksy horror because it is like all about the folks it, it is not it's not like your typical folk horror although it kind of is but it is so about the process of making it with the people who quote unquote experienced it. And it is all about the place as much as it is about what happened there. Yes, it is very folksy is the perfect way to describe it because it has the people. It's all about the legend and it's all about the sense of place. And it's all about their accent. It's yes. not the, the way that they talk is so important to this, to this movie. Yes. It's like a, it's, it's about a town that would never have, because it's not even about Texarkana. Texarkana is, is kind of renowned for, I mean, it's a weird little town. It Half of it is in one state. The other half is in the state right next to it. Mm-hmm. So like it is known. This takes place in Falk, which is yes. like 30 minutes away. And it is like, like they say in the opening narration, I'll get into it. Cause I've been to both these places you drive through Falk and you don't even realize that you've dr- driven through a town. You think you passed a really cool looking gas station. And that is yeah. it. like, uh, like this is a movie about a town that would never have a, ma- a movie made about it. And it's like 
like we said earlier, it's mythologizing these kind of redneck guys who would never have movies made about them. Yeah. So it's almost like Charles B. Pierce is it's such a like angelic figure to me because he's just like, I want to make it's like the purest form of art. He's like, I want to make I want to show you truth. If if the thing that everybody's always trying to get at, all these artists are always trying to get at with art is they want to show truth, right? He's like, I'm going to show you the realest people you've ever seen in your life unfiltered. Yes, you are. And they are bemused and confused about this whole thing. <laughs> A um, bunch of mammas and papas. <laughs> going, what? what is happening right now? Um, You want to hear about what? Oh, yeah, that guy about down the road, I think, saw it like 20 years ago. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is that kind of feeling and it's kind of delightful i know uh daniel on his letterbox says he fell asleep um because it was like a lullaby and you said that's not a critique of the movie i don't think it is i think there's this lulling kind of storytelling to it hmm. especially with um the guy who uh narrates it but the, the, the narrator who, of the movie yeah the way he kind of tells it like it's a storybook it's like so so that is Charles B. Pierce using a different name because he oh. didn't want it to he didn't want it to look like he did he wore so many hats. He wanted it Which to look did. like a yeah. more professional like production. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that makes so much sense. But he's got this lulling kind of Okay, so yeah, the the um Town the Dreaded Sundown had a little bit bit of money behind it. Um <laughs> Yeah. Not much. But <laughs> Down the journey, somehow, a little bit of money. There was the Night Beast. Of it was the Charles Night Beast. It was. It was the Night Beast. Um, it's got the, he's got this lulling story tell quality where he sort of starts with a young boy running over the field screaming to the bunch mm. of um, old men who go, oh, yeah, yeah whatever. I'll, we'll go see you tomorrow. It's, she'll be fine. Spitting, their, spitting in their little tin can. Yes. It's just, just sitting around a Coke machine. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's such a timeless kind of thing. And then it was, ends with, an I'm assuming, an adult Charles B. Pierce looking over those same fields, remembering the, the quiet, lonely howl. Oh, my God, the Bigfoot howl. I love it. The it's, Bigfoot howl is so scary to me in this movie. Yeah. It, a, it like fills me. It fills me with fear. Yeah. Well, okay. So, so a little bit of history. Your, I was gonna say, let's get into history with this. Okay, a little bit of history with this. My dad, from a from when I was a very young boy, like uh, so much of my, I, I think as with most people, so much of my uh, movie personality comes from like what my parents showed me. And I've talked about it in the past. My dad showed me Bram Stoker's Dracula, which is now my favorite movie. My dad showed me uh, the other movie we're going to be talking about today from a very early age. And I remember from really, really young, he told me about this movie called Legend of Boggy Creek. It was the, and I distinctly remember this because it was so odd. He told me that it was the only movie that his dad, so my Papa, my granddad. Yeah. It was the only movie he had ever seen in theaters. Wow. Because my grandpa was a was a dog breeder. He was like a hunting dog breeder and trainer. He was like literally the characters out of, out of this out of this movie sitting around spitting in a canteen. See, and, and like he would have been one of the guys that we have the best dogs from Texas yeah. <laughs> and Arkansas and even the best dogs from Tennessee. Exactly. All he cared about was like, well, I shouldn't say all he cared about, but his main 
passion was the woods and outdoorsy life and hunting and fishing and, you know, living a very country life. And so I don't know how he came about this, but this movie was, I'm, I'm sure you'll talk about it. This movie was a, a weird phenomenon, like, especially in the South. Yep. Um, so apparently he heard about it. He went and saw it in theaters and he took my dad to go see it. And all those years later, my dad found it on VHS and we watched it. And ever since that day, I can't remember how young I was. I must've been like six or something, but ever since that day, one of my biggest fears, Lindsay is Bigfoot looking in my window at night because of that in scene. I just, it's just like a horrible primal fear of mine. And Oh man, this is like a, uh, this, this is a, a canonical film just because I feel like I have so much, it's like a foundational horror movie for me because oh, it was wow. so scary to me growing yeah. up. Yeah. No, it, it, yeah, this, um, this movie did have a weird, like it was a big hit and without it, I don't, um, I mean, we, we still may have gotten the text or chainsaw massacre. So I'm not sort of saying this was Toby Hooper saw this and went, oh, I'm going to do this. But it sort of started mm. this trend of very realistic um, shot movies because you do have Texas Chainsaw Massacre saying, you know, the, these are based on actual murders. Well, the movie mm. is based on Ed Gein um, very loosely <laughs> yeah. um, because uh, Ed Gein was not a Texas boy. He was a Wisconsin boy. Um <laughs> Two different very accents. Um, <laughs> one way more polite than the face. <laughs> um, it is, yeah. So it sort of started this trend of these kind of um, movies and this kind of very, and it would have been in the south. So all these people heading to the theater, into the drive-in to go see this local legend, and the fact that yes. it is actually based on these people's experience now whether they did see a completely different creature each time or whether this was just a poor forest man who would kept coming out and then people kept shooting at him um because everyone it all ends with someone trying to shoot him that's yeah got funny and funny to me as much as of watching this movie is that every story is like <laughs> what's that shoot it it's it's their first instinct <laughs> what's <laughs> <It's>, that uh <laughs> let's kill it let's kill it um kill it um and the but the fact that it also has these houses are very isolated from one another they're not close mm -hmm. so every time mm -hmm. they have to go and get help it's someone having to come over usually they'll try and deal with it in the morning it's but it yeah it's i can kind of see how people who live in kind of very small towns which is in in the south who may not live in these um well some of them because the south has pretty big cities in them but uh, yeah there, it captures that thing of the south or a very specific yeah. kind of the south that you don't often see as you said no one's gonna make a movie about folk it's yeah, yeah it, it's no one should know about this town but yet we do and people probably still go there going hey where's your bigfoot and they're like <laughs> it's all we'll ever be known for all they'll ever be known for is is one time they had a bigfoot and now everyone wants to know about it it's a uh so i so a, a few things i want to comment on there because you were talking about text chainsaw master what this movie it has been pretty influential because I remember hearing Robert, um, oh gosh, what, um, the director of uh, Texas or Blair Witch Project, yeah, Eduardo that's, Sanchez. That's the movie I was thinking. There was another movie it influenced in that. Yes. Thank yes. you for reminding me. I was trying to remember. Eduardo that. Sanchez talked about how he 
and I think Daniel Merrick is the other director. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He he was like, we were both very inspired by the legend Barry Creek in wanting to make something that blurred the lines between fiction and reality or, you know, documentary and, you know, not. Mm. You know. So, so so that is what inspired Blair Witch Project. And you can see it. You can see the influence more in. Now, I love Blair Witch Project. To me personally, that is the scariest movie I've ever seen in my life, but almost as scary, if not scarier to me is the special feature that aired on like a uh, sci-fi channel, like the week that the movie came out, oh, I think it's okay. called the curse of the Blair witch, which they also made, but it is a documentary about the kids going missing. And so it is staged to look real. Yes. It is, so authentic that like it that is definitely a child of the legend of boggy creek where like i watch that and i go okay i can see like the fingerprints all over this thing oh yeah i mean i think i've mentioned this before like ages ago but i half fell for blair witch Mm -hmm. when those when that trailer came out it's the very famous heather just sobbing into the camera um, which got parodied <laughs> everywhere. But yes. um, I actually thought it was about people who are going missing. I kind of fell for the, the shtick right. of it. And I, I was fully in my late teens, but there was something very... Um, it's authentic. Unhol- yeah, I mean, yeah it's-, it's authentic. It's something very unholy about... Because I didn't see it in, in the theater because I was like, I'm not going to go see that movie at all. That I'm just like, nope. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't two years later. And there are scenes in that, movie i know a lot of people sort of go yeah it's a lot of people just you see twigs i'm like yeah but you see them in weird formats and my one of my biggest fears is getting lost in the forest i don't go to the forest Mm. that often so i don't know why i necessarily have this but i do not want to get lost in a place where everything looks the same and if you're just seeing these weird shaped twigs and those are your Mm. only reference point and they mean nothing it's like yellow jackets um which again i think has some very much in Blair Witch DNA. In, actually in haven't watched movie. that yet. I want the, to. Yo, Yellow it's so jacket. good. It yeah, is so, so I want to see it. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> definitely worth it because it has that kind of, with Yellow Jackets, it's more about them letting the Blair Witch in and them sort of becoming a bit more ritualistic than what's happening in Blair Witch, but you can kind of see the, they've seen it. Yeah, and yeah, so I can, you can definitely see the finger. I've got to watch the Curse of, um, Curse of Blue Witch, now I've got to track that down. It is it's probably, I don't know, it should probably the Blue Witch probably on there. Um, it is, but yeah, it's got those DNAs on it. And when you're watching it, it is because it is such an authentic, Boggy Creek is so authentic. And the, the, when I was watching it, I was like, this reminds me of a Disney nature documentary, just how yes. Charles B. Pierce is narrating, just as um, it's kind of, you know, just showing you the swamps and the actual landscape and people, how they interact with it and all that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But because of that, it does have an authenticity. So when you do get that final act of the people in the house, just look, he's not being, ter- they're not being terrorized, but they don't know what it is. So they're scared. <laughs> like, I'm just like, he just wants to come in and have a shower. Just let him. Yeah. Um, See, I'm of the opinion that Bigfoot is scary. I think he is terrorizing them. I don't think he is, but I, oh, well, okay. I don't have a big history with Bigfoot. So I've only just seen like Willow Creek. 
I only heard about this movie because I was listening to an episode of Last House on the Left where they were talking about it and then I went and bought, bought the Blu-ray after I, because it was the middle of the pandemic and that's all I did mm-hmm. apparently, was buy Blu-rays. <laughs> it is, um, yeah, so I don't have that kind of same mythology with it, but at the same time you want to talk about uh, just, like, I, I guess I'm Australian, so <laughs> I'm going to be more terrified of Mick, uh, what's his name, from Wolf Creek, walking around so yeah yeah in in a backwooded area uh, or the outback but yeah to me bigfoot isn't daring but i if you're alone and you hear that howl which is nothing like you've ever heard before there is something generally terrifying about that oh yeah well i've i've got a question for you Lindsay, Mm. because i i was a you know this movie legend of Arya creek got me into cryptids i was already a big monster fan and then of course i found out oh there's like you know, kinds of monsters that people talk about being actually, you know, quote unquote real. So I got into all of them and I would, of course, like obsessively kind of research them and try and find new ones and whatnot. So there is a something that's interesting about Bigfoot is that every culture has a Bigfoot pretty yes. much. Is, yes, it does. You know, different different names and whatnot, but every, you know, continent has its own Bigfoot. So I've, Lindsay, the the Australian one is called the Yowie. Have you ever heard of the Yowie? No, I haven't. I've heard of the Bunyip, which... Um, the Bunyip, which is that water horse, right? Yes. Yeah, it's a kind of a weird... Was, a lot of cultures have also have water horses like um, Nessie. Mm-hmm. What was it called again? It was the... The Yowie. The Y-O-W-I-E. Hang and on. if it is New Zealand and not Australian, I apologize. No, it is I definitely it is definitely Australian. Okay, oh, good. Wow. Oh, yeah, parts of Queensland. This makes so much more sense than parts of New South Wales. Yeah. Um, I remember reading about it in an old book that I got from a book fair in middle school. Yes. And I was like, the Yowie, first of all, great name. Second yes. of all, like looks the picture, the drawing they had of him looked like a really fun Bigfoot. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so he has a tail. Like... It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, this yeah. is yeah. This is oh my god! Even made um the Sydney Morning Herald in nineteen eighty seven. Wow, that is cool. I'm going to read about this. So we need Yowie movies. We do. We we do need Yowie movies. That could be so so cool. Maybe Wolf Creek Four could be about a Yowie. Exactly. That we. This is what we what we need. The um, only thing yeah. that could beat Mick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> The only thing can beat me is a yaoi. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Yeah, because everyone sort of has it. And I mean, New Zealand has some water creatures, but I can't think of a New Zealand Bigfoot. Um, maybe because it's so small. Um, right. But it is. It, it yeah. It, every sort of culture kind of has one because you're right. And I always thought it because I mean the famous Bigfoot um, is it's it's kind of owns a Brita film. I don't know what it's called, but it's when you I Oh, the Patterson Gimlin footage. Yeah, when you sort of see this thing walking across a field, I think that's meant to be because I always thought it was more like in Washington area, like the Pacific mm-hmm. Northwest. Um but though right. they they can be anywhere. They can be um in Ohio, uh Iowa, even Texas and Arkansas, Texarkana. So it's mm-hmm. they can anywhere there's a swampy or a forest, they can they can hang out. Yes, there are you know, reported sightings all over the place. Like, find out about your local Bigfoot, research it, uh, write a story about it because I think they're all they're all neat. Uh, I took a trip 
whenever this was, they were doing the 4K restoration of the Legend of Bayou Creek a few years ago. And so I, for my, for Christmas, I bought tickets for myself and my parents. And I was like, y'all showed me this movie when I was little. We're going to go to Falk, Arkansas and go visit the place. And then we're going to go to Texarkana and watch the presentation and everything. Oh, nice. And so we, yes, we went, I saw Falcon person. I mean, it is like, it's like a bump in the road. Like, I mean, again, you don't really notice it. However, there's a really cool grocery store called the Monster Mart. You can Google <laughs> it. it. They, I mean, like they know, they know that all they're going to be known for is Bigfoot. So they went all out on this little grocery store. It's great. They sell merchandise. And then in Texarkana, uh, like 30 minutes north of that, uh, they were doing the presentation. We went there and Lindsay, there is a, like, even if there wasn't an actual, like, I think he was called the moonlight murder or the phantom killer or whatever, the town that dreaded sundown yeah. guy, even if that wasn't real, Texarkana would be a perfect place to make a slasher in because it is an eerie city. It is like the downtown is desolate and, abandoned there were only four businesses still open oh, there were wow. these huge not high rises but these huge uh company buildings and everything like these really really like 16 story high yeah. buildings that were completely empty like uh windows busted out no one around on the street this was like in the middle of the work day and everything it oh, was my very yeah it was very very eerie and weird and that was like on the texas side i hear or no that was on the arkansas yeah. side which i hear is a little bit more creepy than the texas side apparently the texas side is a little more bustling but yeah it was a very very surreal town but it's it's kind of got a cool kind of creepy quality to it yeah, it sounds like almost like a ghost town. Um, it kind of is. It's like yeah. a living, weirdly, it's like a living ghost town because people live there, but they're all like, we got to get out of here. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's something it was always sad about when a town dies, but at the same time, it's this sounds absolutely fascinating just because, yeah, right. it does sound like this this ghost town that this area would absolutely hold a Bigfoot. It would absolutely hold. Um, a just assortment of ghosts and everything that's kind of been left behind. Yeah, as a kid, mm. I was always more into the ghost stories. So I was always more into things like the Marie Celeste. I had a weird thing about the Bermuda yes. Triangle. Um, yes. Well, those, I love all those too, yeah. Yeah, but those are the ones I kind of leaned toward. And it wasn't until I got a little bit older that I went got into the monsters and then it was always vampires, sort of mm. that kind I of thing. I love me some vampires too. Vampires man. are so cool. Um, I love, yeah, as we said before, bring back the vampire movies. Stop, like, not doing them. I agree. I agree. Yeah. They should be evergreen. Yes. Always a cycle of vampire movies. Um, mm -hmm. But this does have, yeah, well, actually, getting into the folksy um, element of this, um, the songs took me by surprise. <laughs> surprise. Surprise. <laughs> they are. A very interesting detail of this movie because <laughs> they come out of nowhere. Like the one I love, I mean, I love there's two or three. Yeah. Um, 
there's there's the one about Bigfoot where yes. it's like all of a sudden, like he's treated as a scary monster for the whole movie. But then the song comes in. It's like, he's just lonely. There's only, then, why is there only one of him? Where did you yeah. come from? Why are you so lonely? And it's a very sympathetic song yes. for the monster. Which is and why then, I'm very sympathetic toward the Bigfoot. I don't find him scary because they sing hey, about him being lonely. Completely <laughs> understandable. I am afraid of him, but I sympathize with him too. Yes, he's a very sympathetic monster, as this double is going to be about sympathetic monsters, yes. (laughs) Yeah, beautiful. Uh, The other song that comes to mind is Hey Travis Crabtree, which is is like about this guy. It like builds him up to be like a folk hero, like Paul Bunyan or Johnny Appleseed, and then you never see Travis Crabtree (laughs) again after the song. Uh, it is my favorite moment travis uh, uh travis crabtree what do you see and yeah he is this kind of again this building up this local legend <laughs> you just never see him again no, it's like never see him again. it's like this weird little interlude in the, in the movie uh it's it's probably my favorite part of it i'm just sitting there going wait this is probably why i took me to settle in because i'm like wait what we're singing who is travis crabtree what what is happening right (laughs) but that's why like i love like i'm like you i love it because it's as much a love letter to these people as it is like the bigfoot it's just like it is he's i mean you could have had a lot of filmmakers come in and mock these people but they Mm -hmm. don't because charles b pierce wasn't from texarkana was he he sort of came in to make a movie about it that was I I honestly don't know. I thought he was from Texarkana just yeah. because of his interest in it and how many movies he made there. I honestly don't know. Yeah. Um, it could be that because he is very sympathetic because you could imagine a lot of people coming into a place like this and mocking them mm-hmm. um, because it is sort right. of an exploitation kind of movie. It's low budget. That He's just trying to get it out. But it is actually a love letter to this weird place that is both ugly and beautiful at the same time and somehow yes. people have managed to live their lives there and they are very much shaped by the place that they live and i love movies like that where the landscape mm-hmm. is vital to how the people are like it's yes they are very much shaped by the landscape not vice versa they, and there's not that kind of manifest destiny it's like oh no no we're like this because we live in this mm-hmm. in this place well, and, it was so cool yeah. oh, i'm so sorry oh no so you sorry. Mm-hmm. Well, I, it was so cool going to that um, uh, 4K restoration screening because since it was in Texarkana, people from the movie were there and like people from the community were there. So anytime someone would pop up in the movie, you would hear like, that's Uncle Joe, you know, that that's so-and-so. And everybody was watching their family up on the big screen. And I had even met Smokey Crabtree before i had met some of the crab trees before because even before i i mean after i'd seen the movie but like in my earlier years because i was into all this stuff it, during the summer they have a texas bigfoot uh conference where oh, they nice. have like yeah yeah where they have all these you know quote-unquote scientists and researchers get together and they put on like these uh special um presentations and like lectures and stuff about cryptozoology and i was you know i go back and forth on whether i actually believe in all of it i just find it very interesting and fascinating and and fun i would go and smoky crabtree always had a little booth set up where he would sell like t-shirts he was like he knew how to brand man like he was in this movie and ever since then he was like hey man 
I'm making a buck off this thing. <laughs> and yeah. it was great. It was great. So he should. Does he have t-shirts to say, Travis Crabtree, what do you see? Because uh, I would totally. <laughs> the t-shirt I remember the most is this very feminine figured Bigfoot with like, like it's an hourglass Bigfoot. And if you look, well, I mean, if you look closely, it's very, it's a very hippie Bigfoot. It's got some hips mm. and it's got, uh, you know, uh, memory glands, very noticeable. And like, it, at first, me and my dad were like laughing, like what a weird detail to put on it. However, the most, one of the most famous details to that, that Zapruder film, the, yeah. the Patterson Gimlin footage is that when people are like trying to defend it as possibly real, they're like, well, the Bigfoot has breasts. And if you're making a costume, you wouldn't think to put breasts on it. So I actually have a note saying, why is the Bigfoot, Bigfoot always male? Like it's yeah. always referred to as a he. So well, the only, the, the best recorded footage of a Bigfoot. And in my opinion, I, I can't quite rule it out. Cause everybody's always like, you can see the zipper, but that's a damn good. If that's a costume, that is, and a, a movie level costume that mm. these two rednecks just happen to get. But like, anyways, the, the, the only, or the most famous recorded footage of Bigfoot is, is a woman Bigfoot. Yeah. Or female Bigfoot. Big, yeah. a, a lady, a lady Bigfoot. As it a, lady, a, lady, a lady Bigfoot. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a, it's a fascinating era. Cause I, completely different story and i should have written i was going to use this as a trail but forgot to write it down but um i went to um i went to see picnic picnic at hanging rock at hanging rock mm. and it was on valentine's day me and a friend went and it was at night um so it was summer in australia so it was just this gorgeous really good gorgeous night it wasn't overly hot which usually mm. it is in February, but um, it was one of those cool screenings. Going to a place where the movie is actually set, especially if it's sort of steeped in legend. Now, Picnic Hanging Rock is completely made up, but it feels like an urban legend. Um, yes, I was that <laughs> asshole running around uh, Hanging Rock, yelling out Miranda. Um, I actually did not know that that was fiction. I thought that was really based on a... Kind of a, an urban legend, but yeah, oh. um, Patricia Lindsay oh. really did uh, kind of embellish a lot of a lot of things. Gotcha, okay. yeah for the for the novel and it it even sort of says in the museum it's like yeah this isn't as real as you want it to be right. um but it is a very airy place like you go there and it feels very woo woo but sort of going to the place that you're that the movie is kind of centered around especially when it's centered around that specific landscape is kind of a special it enhances the movie in a way that i can't quite describe like you go and see um boggy creek in texarkana Yes. Where people are kind of going, oh, there's there's a vibe to it, especially when it's sort of outside and you'll don't know if the the birds are in the bush or they're on screen. There's a very kind of cool <laughs> envelopment of it, and I'm, that's the oh, closest that thing. Oh, that is I, cool. Yeah, and I don't. That's the only thing I can compare to you going to see Boggy Creek in Texarkana, where there's this kind of you're in the place where you're watching the movie that it's being mythologized. It's it's a, kind of a transcendent experience that that I, I that can only compare really cool. with um, at Hanging Rock. That is that is awesome. What a cool experience! Mm. Like how how like I don't know. I think I don't think that is the future of movies, but what a cool way to uh, I don't know, like make the movie going experience more. I don't know, tangible or something. Yeah. Or just, it's like, like the, those 4D things with the, the, sh the seat moves. I'm like, no, you can just go outside. 
but there's yeah. but it's also a way for uh, small communities to kind of have this weird identity even if it's something they probably resent because um what ends right. the town next to hanging rock is always going to be known for hanging rock that's just so everything is based around hanging rock um right like well just like the monster mart which now i want to go to is knows that it is going to be known for its monsters and exactly even though they can't shake it because that's how people perceive them if that makes sense it, it, it it's like because you're reminding me i had uh they uh alamo draft house did a thing called the rolling road show where they would show movies at the areas where they were filmed and it's similar it's not quite as cool as the picnic hanging rock one because that one has so much history to it yeah but that is cool to like make your environment make it an adventure almost yeah i mean i can just imagine if you're sort of in texarkana or that area around texas and arkansas and you have that movie and like you're watching it at a drive-in and you're just getting the environment with the environment it would blend together so well because there are so many shots of just the creek the water people walking around it's Mm -hmm. it's a very kind of lulling movie that feels very natural even though it's a fake documentary except for a few shots here and there like the one with the car and Mm-hmm. everything like that that always feels a bit kind of like okay that pulls me out a little of the movie a little bit but it's just it's also kind of a cool scene right right anything else you want to say about the legend of boggy creek uh i think that pound for pound i think this is the scariest bigfoot costume that's ever been in a movie i know it's weird to say that because it's never you never really get a good look at it but i think that is kind of like the best thing they could have done because oh, yeah. there's a there's a there's some cool movies there's some cool little bigfoot movies out there with some great looking costumes but you always get like a you know for lack of a better phrase you always get like a money shot you know you always get like a shot worth its money where it's like oh we really want to show off the costume we really want to like show that the but where the budget went but it's like you're making a bigfoot movie man part of the bigfoot like mythology and mystique is that you never get a good look at him. He's always ambiguous. And the fact that this, that the one in this movie is just a giant mass of like stringy black hair. I think he's so creepy in this movie. Yeah. I mean, the scene and lonely. Yeah. And lonely. Uh, (laughs) He is the lonely song. No, I mean, the scariest one is when um, you have the young girl who's, alone with her mother and the baby and she mm-hmm. has to kind of put up the curtain because there's a draft and um i just would have wanted to say by the fire and we so she looks out the window then she just sees the bigfoot looking into the window yes that is a Oof. cool cool scene yeah there's so many sort of cool things like that because you never get to get a good look at him and then it kind of builds to that final scene when it's just the family alone just constantly having these sightings of of this thing who's just hanging around the house and he's always looking into your window so it's mm-hmm. like he never actually gets into the house but he's always there right mm-hmm. now the other last thing i need to bring up because my dad will not listen to this but he would he would be very disappointed if i didn't bring it up because he was very proud of this <laughs> do you remember the old man hermit in this movie herb jones that yes. travis crabtree goes to visit yes yes i do he, He's like rolling his cigarettes and he gets narration. He's yes. the only guy who doesn't believe in in yes. Bigfoot. And he like lives in like a shack out in the yes. middle of the swamp. Yeah. So my dad has a theory 
that that guy is the phantom killer <laughs> from from town the dress sundown i love because it because those yes. those murders i think happened in the 50s if not earlier 40s or 50s yeah so the yeah so the the timeline would be reasonably would would make sense and he walks with a limp which at the end of the town that draws sundown we see that i don't know this is probably not any, it's not probably not accurate to reality but we Let's see just at say the it end is. of yeah yeah exactly at the end of the town that draws sundown we see the killer is walking with a limp and so based on those two things alone and the fact that he's a hermit no, I like it that Tres- I, Town that Dreaded Sundown is a direct sequel to uh, yeah. The Legend of Boggy Creek. <laughs> based, based on those two pieces of evidence alone, exactly. my dad is willing to uh, slander Herb Jones's name. <laughs> Herb Jones, an actual guy. Like, yeah, an yeah actual, a real man. A real man. A real man that wandered around the surf. This wasn't like a made up person. <laughs> <laughs> that wandered around this earth very lonely and very hairy exactly he was the bigfoot he was the one that everyone was shooting at <laughs> but, he was the bigfoot and the phantom killer exactly look if you see a big hairy man wandering around just make sure that it is actually a bigfoot before you start shooting at it it's just not some dude who's just trying to get yes. around please yeah. that'd be that'd be great yeah ask questions then shoot exactly. ask questions first ask yeah. always ask questions first and with that, the curtains are reopening and we are about to get into a true classic. Hayden, what is going to be your first trailer for The Wolfman? Oh, man. The Wolfman. Such an atmospheric uh, an atmospheric movie. Um, we'll get into detail. Well, of course, we'll get into talking about it. Now, I my first trailer is, a, is for a movie that I think... It has been considered disappointment to a lot of people, myself included, when it first came out. However, I have grown to love this movie. And I think that I said I said pound for pound earlier. I'm going to say it again. It's an expression I'm going to use twice. Pound for pound, I think, is the most satisfying werewolf movie ever made. It might seem redundant to play the trailer for it before the original Wolfman. But I'm going to pick the trailer to the Joe... Johnston remake of The Wolfman from 2010. What kind of animal could have done such a thing? You're risking your life. Darkness comes for you. He's been quite seriously injured. Thank you for staying with me. Now we know it's still out there. You were bitten by the beast. You bear his mark now. Do you believe in curses? You have to leave. What are you afraid of? There are those who doubt the power to change men into beasts. A beast has come among us. Terrible things, Lawrence. You've done terrible things. Be strong, son. Be strong. They are what they say I am. I'm a monster. I will kill all of you! As soon as you said, this is a disappointing movie that I've grown to love, I knew it was The Wolfman. It Jack was a movie. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry. Uh, no, I was going to say, I had the same reaction. I was a little disappointed in it, and now I have grown to love it. Uh, Anthony Hepburn's chewing the scenery and everything. Yes, like, uh, I mean, Bram Stoker's Dracula is and has pretty much always been my favorite movie. The Wolfman was another one that was up there. I mean, growing up, 
the Wolfman just it scared me so much. Like I, I I loved it. I cried for Larry Talbot every time I watched it. I loved Werewolves my whole life because of it. So when they announced the remake, it was kind of like the Salem's Lot situation yeah. where it was in development hell for years. Originally, Mark Romanek was supposed to direct oh, it. Oh wow! The script leaked, and there was a bunch of weird. Yeah. <laughs> there was a bunch of weird details about it, like where the Wolfman meets Jack the Ripper, and the Wolfman kills an alligator in the London Zoo, yep. and all these kooky little details. And I, so I, I kept up with it every step of the way. I was sure that it would never come out. It finally did, and. For some reason, at that age, um, my my teenage years in 2010, I was like, a horror movie that's not the scariest thing ever made. How disappointing, right? Oh, yeah, and it's, so it's, it's a good reason you're not on Twitter at the moment because we're going through that exact same argument. <laughs> I'm like, no, stop it! Every single time a 25 year old discovers horror, it's like, why? No, horror yes. only can be scary. I'm like, no, stop it. Yes, it's that weird thing that you go through, and you know it to the layman to like the normal person i could understand how this wouldn't this statement wouldn't make any sense but like there is so much more to go to horror for than being scared yeah there's like i mean the aesthetic alone to the joe johnson wolfman one of the most atmospheric and like lovely lavishly gothic mainstream horror movies like big 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 budget gothic in like a long time it's got a great like hammery mix with the universal feel. It really does. Anthony Hopkins is kind of phoning it in, kind of phoning it in, but also incredibly fun, like a total blast to watch. Uh, Hugo Weaving is an awesome detective. You know, I love my movie detectives. Oh, uh, yeah. he is an awesome movie detective. Benicio is killing it. Emily Blunt is wonderful. I mean, I love the and. I, I I love that movie and I think it's just got everything you could want in a werewolf movie. It's got great effects, e- even though the CGI transformations aren't great, of course. It's 2010. But, yeah, it's 2010. The makeup itself, I think he's one of the best looking movie werewolves ever. The freaking carnage. It's like the Halloween kills of werewolf movies. He He's slaughtering everyone. Oh my God, he really is. I mean whenever we'll get into a wolfmate, every time he kills someone, it's like a big deal because Larry just is yes. the ultimate sad sack of, of a movie monster, and he's one, which is why he's becoming one of my favorites. Especially yes. something like House of Frankenstein, uh, whereas his main oh. move is, I want to kill myself, and the girl's like, I love you. <laughs> the, one of the greatest arcs for any movie character ever, in all the sequels, he just shows up, he's like, I want to kill myself. And all the die. women love it. All the <laughs> women love it. I can fix you. It is... It, 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 <laughs> Yeah, it is this thing of um thing, and I mean, this is the movie that started it. But the werewolf character is a tragic figure, and yeah, this I mean, yeah, the Wolfman does turn him into more of an action kind of figure. But it is 2010, and we are still going with that trend, as in we talk when we talk about Renfield. But I think it's still really well done. Yeah, it's got that really gothic energy. It's kind of like a Hammer and Universal. It's got that sleepy hollow. Kind of, yes. um, and we don't get that enough. I mean, people sort of said the same thing about Crimson Peak. Oh, it's not a horror movie. No, it's a gothic story. That is, mm-hmm. there are degrees to it. And right. you can still enjoy kind of the atmosphere and not having to be scared all the time. This movie was never going out to scare you. It wants to give you that kind of cozy, yeah. gothic, foggy 
amazing kind of creature feature where you can't quite see the creature because there's so much fog and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, I, I do that's, love this movie. That's kind of why I want to go back in time and slap myself in the face because I'm like, dude, you're not six anymore. A werewolf movie is not going to scare you. <laughs> like, I yeah. mean, like, you, <laughs> like you, you're, I can't remember how old I was in 2010, but, but it's just like, you're like 18. You're yeah. not going to get scared by a werewolf. <laughs> like, no. Come on. Come on. Okay. Calm down. Okay. Like, edgy, yeah. Okay. Edgy guy. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I do like to imagine you weird. as a 16 year old being edgy and it's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but that is a great trail. It's not reductive thing because I think it kind of, yeah, I think it's a really solid movie and I think it's really great. And I think it's a, actually a really good remake because it is kind of building on what the 1941 movie is doing, even if it's yes. much more heightened. Actually, I am actually going to go for a Hammer movie for my first trailer. I am going to go for The Gorgon from 1964, a movie I just rewatched a couple of weeks ago again. Have you ever heard of Megara? Megara. It said that when mortals looked upon her face, they were turned to stone. Leave Vandor before it's too late. What is it you're afraid of? I'm afraid for you. Or of what I may discover. If I remain. We want you out of this house, mister. Now. For 2,000 years, Megara the Gorgon had kept her evil peace. But now this strange, unearthly creature returns to petrify every human being who crosses her path. Starring Peter Cushing as the doctor. Did his strange talents direct him to medicine or murder? Christopher Lee is the professor. Enjoyed it so much more than my first watch. I don't know quite what I was expecting for my first watch of The Gorgon, but I rewatched it and I went, you know what? This is awesome. I mean, Peter Cushing's a badass in mutton chops. Christopher Lee's got a weird <laughs> wig, but it's still Christopher Lee. Barbara great Shelley facial is, hair movie. Oh my God, such a great facial hair movie. Barbara Shelley is amazing. Yes. I love the set design in this movie so much, how it's this turns slowly turns into like an ancient Greek kind of thing it's yeah mm-hmm. i mean yeah it's terrence fisher i mean this movie kind of rolls it is like i mean vibe wise one of the best hammer horrors because it's, it's like that one to me specifically that one like twins of evil are the ones that feel the most octobery to me yes the the, the leaves blowing in the house you know the, the the like dark spook i mean they're all dark and spooky but there is such a creepy spooky vibe to that one that is a little different from most of the other ones i mean all hammer movies are good in october but that one specifically feels halloweeny to me and also just the the audacity to be like our monster is going to be a creature from greek myth yes (laughs) how cool in the middle of central europe which i love it is yes. yes i mean there's a way that peter cushing acts where apparently because like, he was the generally the nicest man on the planet this mm-hmm. man had not a mean bone in his body um but there's a thing where you can act all badass and it looks like yes. he will slap you in about five seconds um he is he does one it of my he, favorite actors yes too. yeah he is the best and he kind of dominates that that movie because christopher lee doesn't come into kind of near the end um mm-hmm. But him and the scenes with Barbara Shelley are just so good. <laughs> it's just like, man, that is a that is a great pick. I I inst- immediately I want to throw on the Gorgon now. Like it's such a ooky spooky kind of movie. 
It really, oh, so really good. is. It's got a typical hammer yeah. format, but it is just, it, you're right. It, it's, it's hammer. How can you not love it? Um, mm. What is going to be your second trailer for the world? Okay. Man? So this one's a little out of left field. This one is my thematic pick because we're talking about, you mentioned it before, Larry Talbot, one of my favorite movie characters because he is so tragic and like, I mean, the thing, one of the things I love about this movie is it's one of these movies that's, it's one of these stories that's like, you cannot escape fate, right? I mean, it's it's written in the stars what's going to happen to you and you're just destined for whatever, whatever, whatever comes your way, yeah. right? And I was trying to think what what movie could kind of fit that as well. Now, stick with me here. It's kind of an odd choice, but another character that represents that for me is the titular character in the movie Inside Lewin Davis. Explain the cat. What's its name? I, I don't know. He stuck out Do you the think door. you're staying here tonight? Leaving. Oh. I was hoping to. So, I can't stay here tonight. If I had wings, I'd know it's done. What'd you say you played? Folk songs. Folk songs. Solo act? No, I had a partner. Threw himself off the George Washington Bridge. George Washington Bridge? You throw yourself off the Brooklyn Bridge, traditionally. George Washington Bridge? Who does that? Well, I had a man. Lift the music's not what quit just like it exist exist <laughs> i fucking love this oh my god <laughs> so i love i love that movie tone wise doesn't make a lot of sense to play in front of the wolf man no but i that is another movie where it's just like that's like a that's like a greek myth where it's like it's an inescapable fate he it sees is. he's Mm-hmm. He's fated to be beaten up in that alley after mocking um, Bob Dylan. That is, that <laughs> yes, is his And throughout the movie, he sees these little opportunities to change. He sees these opportunities to like make right. Uh, you know, like literally there's the point where he's driving and there's the exit with the glowing sign of Akron, Ohio, where he can go be with his ex-girlfriend and their child that he didn't know that he had and he just passes it by like so you know all all of these the these are decisions he is making but there's just such an oppressive quality to like the inescapability of like there is i mean no this makes sense because the coen brothers do know their mythology i mean they do the odyssey Mm -hmm. in oh brother where art thou which I will always love you and Mark for putting that movie so high in your Coen Brothers draft on Film Feast. With, Might with, be my favorite one. Prob- yeah, probably my favorite that one. Was, yeah. That's such an important movie to me in terms of me getting cinema, I guess. Um, <laughs> and then, but this movie does have a Greek tragedy to it because yeah. even though he is making all his choices, which is the, the thing about Greek tragedy is that you are making your choices, but you are still fated to end up where you end up. And that right. is Owen Davis. He is... He's always going to be, every single time, he's going to be back in that same um, bar playing those same songs, getting beaten up because he sees people who are becoming more successful than him every single step yes. of the way. And the fact that one of them is Bob Dylan is just kind of like the cruelest jokes um, <laughs> I know. I know. that can pull on him. And he will always get beaten up in that alley. It's kind of this, 
it is a great tragedy because you are making a person make decisions and they are never going to be the right ones. Mm -hmm. Such a great movie. I've, I love oh. Inside Lewin Davis, man. Again, another movie when I watched it first time, I was disappointed. And now it might be top five for me, but which mm-hmm. is a big question because there's probably about seven movies that are in my top five. Um, but I, I love it. Oscar Isaac's performance is, I I don't know if he'll ever be able to top it. Like it is no, yeah. perfection. Yeah. Yeah. Made for, he was made for it, man. He or was. The, the role was probably made for him, you know, vice, yeah. vice versa. But like, one of those movies or one of those roles where it's just like perfect, absolutely yeah, perfect. Just perfect. And that is actually an amazing, amazing trailer. You know what? I'm actually going to go for, no, yeah. I'm actually going to go for The Ritual by David Bruckner. I was trying to choose between Pale Blue Eye, oh. but I don't love that movie, even though I love the way it's shot, but I'm actually going to go for The Ritual. Mm. Look, we go southwest through here. We cut the journey in half. Or through the forest. Yeah, why not? Should have gone to Vegas. Oh, you'd have found something to fall over in Vegas too, mate. Now, is it me, or is it really quiet in here? <gasps> it's been gutted. Could be hunters out here. A bait, possibly. Or it's the bit they don't show you in the nature documentary. It's a warning. We shouldn't be here. Where the hell are we, Huts? We should pitch the tents. This is ridiculous, man. Luke, you're getting soaked. You hear that? No, I didn't hear anything. Come on. Keeping it with the modern kind of um, feel. Yeah, this movie rules. Yeah. I love, I love the, I love the ritual. The ritual is a great movie. I, uh, I watched it when it dropped, and I really liked it. And then a few years went by and I was like, I, I wonder if, you know, I, I wonder how well it hold, it will hold up for me and whatever. I rewatched it. And I was like, yeah, this, this is another, like, it's, it's a great movie with an amazing monster. Like, yeah. Speaking of something in the woods. And then when you do get the full look at it, you're like, oh shit, they actually do the monster. <laughs> like I kept thinking yes. it was like going to be like a, a false start. Like there is no monster. It's just this weird cult and it's just everyone's imagination. No, no, no. Total weird. No. Total weird monster. Just, no, it's this weird god. <laughs> it's weird god. weird <laughs> god. It's so such it that that is such a cool little movie. It is. And ritual. even though I think David Bruckner is gonna keep making horror movies and is probably gonna become I don't know if he'll become one of the greats, but he's definitely kind of on that thing of horror horror fans do appreciate his movies with like Night House and um, even the new Hellraiser, I think the ritual is one of those movies that just works so well. Again, it's got that thing of getting lost in the woods, which always terrifies me. Um, mm-hmm. It's got uh, not Timothy Spall, his son, Ralph, Ralph Spall, kind of being that sad, sad, tragic figure because of, again, He's his decision. son. Yeah. I did not know that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's that's his son. Um I see it now. <laughs> yeah, you can when you know it, you can't you're like, oh, I see it. I, I definitely see it. Um Yeah. It is but he's again this very tragic figure, again, about a choice that he has made, yet that is fated. So I, I love yeah, the that ritual. That is a great pick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with that, we're gonna get into a universal movie that I kind of forget that I love but that happens with a lot of universal classics that 
-hmm. I watch it. I'm like, oh, why isn't this one of my favorites? But then I realize that I have like, they're all my children. Exactly. The universal, they're like, they're so, they're so classic at this point where it's like, you almost take them for granted. You're like, well, duh. Like, of course, creature from the black Lagoon, of course, Dracula, you know, like, but you never really think about just how good they are as movies. Exactly. And as I said before, the, um, the Wolfman doesn't have that Jack Arnold. It doesn't have that James whale. It doesn't have that Todd Browning factor uh george mm -hmm. wagner is not kind of one of those classic classic directors that kind of people point to as like oh look how he defines sort of everything mm -hmm. but when you look at the wolfman it literally started the um bite of the werewolf the kind of um the kill that was silver and all mm -hmm. these kind of things that actually weren't in the uh, mythology or lexicon of the werewolf movie this movie came out and that is what a werewolf is right kurt siodmak like yes created all these little he created all these little um details to the to the mythology of the werewolf and like nowadays we're like of course silver bullets and you're like i i think i think i remember reading like he got that from i mean he got that from like the lone ranger or something yes like it was kind yeah. of like the mixture between a vampire as in when you vampire bites you if it doesn't kill you you are a vampire which is the werewolf and yeah, he was watching the Lone Ranger and went, huh, ah, silver bullets. <laughs> and like, awesome. I mean, yeah. the it's idea of a silver badass. bullet is the coolest thing, <laughs> coolest thing in the world. It does make the monster more um, badass because usually, because I mean, if you go back to the sort of the Greek mythologies and everything else with the werewolf, it's always based on a plant. If you drink the certain plant or kind of do yes. some witchy stuff with the plant, you become a like lichen or whatever the, the Greek. which is which is the plot of uh werewolf of london of exactly universal's yes. first werewolf movie yes. yeah people forget this is the second um mm. yeah the uh the uh werewolf of london is kind of the um uh dracula untold of the cinematic <laughs> universe that is <laughs> Werewolf of London, but yes. I do too. I think Henry Hole in that movie has a really cool look as the werewolf. He does. He's, got like, he's more of a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde figure. Like, I mean, he kind of fits that role. I mean, almost to a T, but like, he's got a really cool look as the werewolf. Yeah. And I love his transformation in that movie where he just kind of flows off his cape, goes in the shadows and he comes out like as a werewolf. It's. Oh yeah. And so when he's cool. walking behind those pillars and yes. every time he comes out, he's a little bit hairier and stuff. Yeah. That's really, that is a really cool movie. Uh, what I think about. So 
with the Wolfman, what makes it stand out to me is like whenever I a few years ago, I got that big, big box set and I had seen all the originals. I hadn't seen any of the sequels until a few years ago when I got that box set. But like I had seen the originals way back when on VHS because my dad grew up loving those. And so he passed them on to me. And so I eventually got, like I said, that big, that big old box set. Universal re-releases these movies twice every year. Yes, but, and I tend to usually buy most of them now. Right. Except I haven't done the 4K. I haven't jumped to the 4K, but I do love I my have, Universal right. Monsters set daily, and I don't know if I want to part with it because it has like I think, Phantom and the, the the ones that the 4K only has before. Unless I want to spend like three hundred dollars right. and get all of them. Yeah, I I think this is going to be the last one I get from them because I mean. It's, it's kind of annoying that they doubled so many of them and tripled so many of them, but you know, it's got them all. So I, I don't think I'll ever upgrade from there unless they do another one where they're like, we're throwing in the mole people and all these other forgotten yes. universal monsters. But so I wanted to, whenever I got that uh, set, I was like, I want to watch them all in order. And I did. And watching them that way, I noticed a few things. It was a really cool experience because I was like, well, Wolfman stands out. It's the first one that like I'm really, really into the human story of it. And I wonder, I want your opinion on this. I wonder if it's because it's the first one um, that is not dealing with a scientist or an aristocrat. It's like an everyman, even though Larry is technically the son of an aristocrat, he is chosen a blue collar life and comes back home right yeah you're right because i know that zombies get credited as the first blue collar monster that Mm -hmm. it's kind of the working man's monster but no he yeah yeah the wolfman is absolutely a a working class every man like he is Mm -hmm. he's not a scientist he kind of falls into it by accident he's not i mean all the the actually no all the universal monsters except for dracula who's well i and I love, I mean, I watch Dracula twice a year. Um, <laughs> he's just an asshole. Like, he's just the one that's. <laughs> he is a monster monster. Yes. No a... redeeming qualities. Yeah. No redeeming qualities whatsoever. But Frankenstein, you you love. Or Frankenstein's monster, you love. Uh, the Wolfman, you love. The Creature from the Black Lagoon, you love. Um, yeah. Poor Phantoms over the other side. But, you know, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll still say hi occasionally. It is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, these kind of universal kind of very understood very quickly, especially from Frankenstein, that they need to make them more sympathetic. Sympathetic, yeah. Yeah, and you're right. He is the working class because I think the, on this watch, I kind of went. There was a it never explicit. It doesn't even say this, so I don't think it was. I think this is me reading into the movie that Harry Talbot chose a more of a working class life, but when he comes back, I always get the feeling that life hasn't necessarily turned out the way he wanted it. To. Right. That right. there's this kind of, okay, I get this chance to come back to restart my life and I'm going to put on all this bravado, even though it feels put on. Because I don't know, there's something about the short tie of the 1940s that makes me think that your <laughs> life isn't going that well, even though it's the style <laughs> of the time. Um, and there's something about his tie that I just like, there's something about his tie that tells me it's not going well. It's not going well. <laughs> I another thing that I noticed is that unlike Dracula and because this was 45. So this was after 
a few of the big boys and after a few of the see quite a few of the sequels mm. but unlike dracula frankenstein and the invisible man the wolfman even though you put werewolf right up there with dracula frankenstein uh, these are the monsters i think of right yeah. uh the wolfman is not based on a piece of literature no, the mummy really isn't either but like yeah, we're we're not talking about the mummy right now. <laughs> the the Wolfman. We, we could do, but we're not. Yeah, yeah. Most a lot of these others are based on classic pieces pieces of gothic gothic yeah. literature, or in the Invisible Man's case, like science fiction mm. literature. And so, but the Wolfman is entirely created by Kurt Siodmak. Yes, I mean it was still a story that it was mm-hmm. a part of mythology like it was kind of like a part of oral tradition that you still got told so it always makes me think that there was this legend of a, a person who there was a wolf creature that people didn't think was normal and then it kind of evolved into what it is mm-hmm. is today but I think the, yeah sorry. you're right no you're right well i uh, think the only piece of at least from what i've seen probably wrong but i think the only piece of cla- quote-unquote classic gothic horror literature that is werewolf centric because there really aren't that many famous werewolf books it's called werewolf of paris and it's what curse of the werewolf the hammer movie was based on and i've always wanted to read it i hear it's really good it's by guy indoor uh i really or indore i don't know how to pronounce it but i really want to read it and so kind of interesting that they didn't jump to that and be like let's just adapt this thing I don't know if it was, I assume it was popular back then. It might have been, well, Universal was only, well, except for maybe Invisible Man, but they were usually choosing books that- that Public domain. Public domain, yes, that's what I was going for. I got distracted. They were choosing public domain books. I mean, as soon as Dracula was out of public public domain, they made the movie. Like, it was very, very Mm. quick. From when you think Nosferatu was made in 1921, 22. They got sued. Dracula gets made in 1931 because it's public domain. Same with Frankenstein. I'm not entirely sure exactly what happened with Invisible Man because Wells a is a little later. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah Universal wasn't. But by the 1940s, it could have at least afforded that book. They were doing pretty okay in the 1940s compared to what they were doing in the early 30s. Right. But cheap. I think everybody was cutting back because of World War II. I think. Yes. Yes, that's a good point. Yeah. That yes, it came out the year the United States joined the the war. I forgot about mm. that. So something I've all a detail about this movie I've always loved, and I cannot credit this to my own imagination. I remember hearing people say this in the little special features on the mm-hmm. old Wolfman Blu-ray and whatnot. I remember and seeing it in like whenever it written about in books. People would always say there's like a fantasy quality to the Wolfman. And I was always like, I, I get that, but I, I wonder what they're talking about. And they would go on to say, well, there's no clearly defined sense of time or place because you've got carriages running around at the same time as like cars. You also are not sure like the place. There are British people as well as a bunch of American people running around. <laughs> there is like the little shot of Talbot Hall is so artificial but to me, it's like watching it now. It's not artificial in a fakey way. It totally works in like, I'm kind of watching a fairy tale right now. It does. I always sort of took it as the old mythology taking over the modern. 
because yes. Talbot is such a modern figure. He is yeah. a man straight from 1941 walking into a fairy tale. I wanted to compare it to Sleepy Hollow, but that's not it because Johnny Depp's um, Ichabod Crane is very much a 19th century kind of figure going into another 19th century place, but just but he is, he is yeah. a he is a man of science in that movie at least. Where well, I mean he's a he's a teacher in the original story, but mm. he's like a conservative old school kind of teacher in the original story in the Tim Burton movie. He is like a scientist where he's like, we, we need to do away with these old trappings. So he is kind of like a man that you're right. He is kind of yeah. like the quote unquote modern man. In the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah. He's the modern man walking into a fairy tale and that same with mm-hmm. Harry Talbot. He's walking into a fairy tale and it kind of, he becomes the fairy tale. Like it's, there's a, I mean, we'll get into the transformation scene, which is right up there with um, Jekyll and Hyde and London is, is mm-hmm. we're from London as well. It is just, I mean, Jack Pierce was the, the genius. Yes. It is, but yeah, it's, it's this, I've got that sort of sensibility of it's like two worlds meeting. Cause I did watch a few of those extras, which I really do. I should I have hours of extras I could watch. And then of course I wasn't surprised when the three talking heads, uh, Mick Garris, John Landis <laughs> and Joe Dante. I'm like, those three come as a package deal (laughs) they are just like the three stooges they're always hanging out (laughs) they're always hanging out ready to talk classic horror i mean i love it Uh, but it's always those three um but well yolandis makes sense because he did make one of the greatest werewolf movies ever he kind of hosts that one right he's the monster by the night yeah yeah i mean there's still one scene when you see the werewolf going to get the guy in the subway which i still think is just like so good so good but yeah, so that's kind of how I've always kind of seen it. And that's kind of what they talk about, especially the creating of the mythology. I mean, they kind of created their own fairy, um, Kurt Sudermack created his own modern fairy tale. And you're right, you do get carriages um, and you do get kind of cars all at the same time, but they're very kind of distinct. Um, the the Romani people are very much the fairy tale people with um, mm-hmm. Bella Lugosi. They're the ones who still live in this fairy tale world. And everyone in town is a little bit more modern like especially how right. Gwen's dressed and saying with Jenny she's the first victim um yes. when Bella kills yeah um they're a little bit more the modern woman like the random mm-hmm. suit dresses suit pieces and kind of things like that it's it, it it's one of those really oddly designed universal monster movies but I think it fits yes yeah and another detail that I love I kind of bring this up quite a bit but like I've heard it talked about as like a flaw of the movie, but I think it's a strength and I want your opinion on this as well. I love that there's no clearly defined rules for the werewolf. I mean, like, yeah, he has to be killed by a silver bullet. That That is a rule. He, he transforms by moonlight, although we never see the full moon in this. I think it's the only thing that keeps it from being the most satisfying werewolf movie ever. We don't see the full moon. You don't. I mean, yeah, you don't see the full moon. No, you but, get you get the pentacle on the hand. That's how you know. Yes. Some, oh my god! Yes. Yes. Yeah. But so th- there are some rules. However, to me, what I love about horror is to me it's scarier when it doesn't operate by any set of rules. I love that Bella is a wolf and that Larry Talbot is a wolf man. Like I love that there is no clearly defined. Okay like they're all the same thing right bella just turns into a dog and it's that i 
Stephen Graham Jones is a writer I really like. Yes, uh, he's a very good writer. Yes. Yes. However, he is one of these kind of horror fans who, and it's a cool little exercise. He wrote a book called Mongrels, which is a werewolf book. And he wanted to, one of the main inspirations for him writing that book is he wanted to explain. Now it's not a book about the Wolfman, but he was inspired by in the Wolfman. The question is raised by like people who watch it. Like, well, why did that guy turn into a dog? And Larry is like a Wolfman mm. other than like thematic purposes. You have to grapple with the duality. Well, yeah. Larry is like struggling, right? You yes. can't just see him as a dog. Right. Mm. But, <laughs> but, uh, Stephen Graham Jones was inspired by that. And he was saying, well, Bella is the kind of, is the classification of werewolf where he was born a werewolf. So he oh, fully transforms. Yes. And if you're bitten, you turn. And that's a cool little idea. But I think monsters lose so much of their power whenever you classify them and like have them down to a little science, you know? Yes, that is a good point. Actually, I've seen this movie five times and I'm only just realizing that Bella is a full wolf and that Robert <laughs> is half a wolf. Um, telling me just really realizing that even though he's in the front credits, Ralph Bellamy is in this movie. I'm like, wait, what? Since when? Okay. Um, Who is Ralph Bellamy? Like, what is he known for? He, oh, he is known, well, he's known for Switching Places. Okay. Uh, in 1983, Eddie Murphy, but he's also known for the um poor guy who uh rosemary russell is trying to marry in a, um my girl friday oh okay okay because yeah, i've he, always seen these other guys in the movie who aren't you know larry talbot claude rains and uh evelyn anchors and yeah. i'm always like i don't really know and Be bella and maria open sky and whatnot mm. all these other guys who are like floating around who weirdly all get, they like all get credited before Evelyn Anchors and stuff. Yeah, they do. But I'm just like watching it. I'm like, oh, at least um, Lon Chaney Jr. gets an ad, but I'm just like, well, everyone's getting like credit before Evelyn Anchors. Okay. Now, why is Colonel Montford getting a higher credit than like these main, <laughs> but I was just like, I'm like all these other guys, I don't really know uh, Ralph Bellamy. So I was mm. like, who are all these other guys? I've never seen that. You know, I'm not familiar with all these other guys. Yeah. Ralph Bellamy had a super long career. Like he was from the forties up to the eighties. Like he was, very he was a cool. character. Yeah. Oh, he very was, cool. yeah, he was, um, it was kind of just would pop up and you're like, oh, he was the bad guy. It, right. Yeah, it is. But yeah, I just never clicked to that. That is something I just never even thought about that. Yeah. Mm. Bella's a full wolf and yeah, I think because it's more because the werewolf now has such a clear defined rules. Yeah. It, it is a monster that we has to be by the full moon. Every full moon he'll turn mm. into a werewolf, has to be killed by silver. Um, kind of depending on the variations, will lose his mind, a complete animalistic kind of thing. And he's really good at basketball. He's really good at basketball, like really, really <laughs> and, and car surfing. <laughs> And it's now turned into this, oh, the, and the werewolf is now turned into this puberty me metaphor. Like, you get, yes. when you go through puberty, you get very hairy. Um, no matter who you are, it ha it happens. You're like, wait, what? Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's become much more defined. So when you're going back and watching it now, and it's a lot looser because Kurt was making it up as he went along. I mean, this was not, he wasn't really necessarily drawing from, I mean, they took away the right. plants. They did everything. It'd be like right now, they did something radically different with a monster and everyone would go, but that's not the, how it works. Right. Uh, Wolfsbane is limited to just the little poem. 
exactly you're a man who's pure in heart you know? this, like, this is it's, for, it's, yeah yeah it's not like the the initial thing that makes him into a werewolf exactly so i think he so i think i like it um because i think you're right you have to see larry struggle with what he's becoming and i think the duality of being half man half wolf is um it works for mm-hmm. the movie but it also works the fact that he thinks he's killing a dog at yeah. the beginning and then yes and he's very open about that he's like he, he thinks i mean he's not upset that he killed bella but he's more upset that he says well i thought it was a wolf and everyone's like going well you must have been mistaken and right. it's like yeah so it's it, it works for the plot of the movie like i didn't even question it i was just like well yeah of course, that makes sense um of <laughs> it's that fairy tale aspect to it exactly. it's that fairy tale aspect to it um i i well i've talked about this with matt I vastly prefer two-legged wolf man to like big wolf. Where do you stand on your, what do you prefer werewolf wise? I'm two legs. I'm two legs. Yes. I think, um, except I think in uh, American Wolf in London, they have it both ways. He can be standing up or it can be on all fours, depending on Mm -hmm. what he's doing. Um, Mm -hmm. And that might still be my favorite design of a a wolf. because you just never it see it does all look of them. awesome it does look yeah, awesome it does look awesome um but i prefer the kind of the duality of the i'm standing here i look kind of wolfish but you know i'm not a wolf yes because it has to be yeah it has to be like the bigfoot you kind of have to see him in the woods and go wait what was that if you see a wolf <laughs> you know exactly what that is um and a wolf can be scary because it's a freaking wolf um, yes plus he's always got the little costume and yes. he just looks so iconic. It's so funny to me that he transforms in the chair wearing only a wife beater and pants. And then you see him walking through the woods. You're like, that dude just put on a shirt before he left the apartment. <laughs> it's like Indiana Jones. Every single time he puts on the Indiana Jones suit, he instantly gets double. I'm like, how did you, what? How did that happen way quick? You are a very hairy man. Um, but no, you're right. This guy. Oh, man. Lonely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the when, he's, when Harry Talbot's in wolf mode, he's still got enough propriety to go, I need to put on a shirt. Yeah, and... this is unseemly to walk around in a wife beater. Exactly. <laughs> or undershirt, I'm sorry. Undershirt, yes. <laughs> I still call it a wife beater. I know I shouldn't, but I'm still like, it's, it's kind of wrong for <laughs> I always forget. Yeah, me too. I always forget that that, that, that word means what it means. <laughs> yes, no, it, it's exactly what it, no. That, yeah, it's that just the name of a type of shirt. <laughs> type of shirt, but the implications of what they're doing in that shirt is why they call it a wife beater. Um, it is... Yeah, but no, I prefer the the walking around um, uncanny valley um, werewolf. Mm. I think the the tragedy of you not knowing exactly what you are in that moment works for me so well. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think, and I think he just looks so. I think they look really cool. I yeah, like half man, half wolf. Exactly. I and I love the transformation in this movie. I think it's so so clever. Just the way. Um, oh, I forgot to look about exactly how they did it, but just like the slow kind of time um, stop thing mm-hmm. of it and just seeing like the, the feet on the hair, then going up, then going back down, going back up, going back down and him just yes. getting hairier and hairier. It is, it is still Hilarious. so cool. Yeah. He should be called Harry Talbot. He should be. Yes, he is. He is. He's a <laughs> Harry Talbot. Um. What do you think of the scene when he's going to flirt with Gwen for the first time? Like when Oh, um, we gotta we gotta talk about it. I know. It's, it's so creepy. So, yeah, it kind is of so adorable. Creepy. It's so creepy. It's so creepy. It is like 
definitely of its time. Yes. <laughs> and you know what? It's if he would have just done it and kept up the ruse is like never really told her how he knew that she had the earrings. Cause at first he's got her going where he's like, Oh, you know, I may just be a fortune teller or whatever, or I may be clairvoyant. Okay. Please dude, never tell her that you were looking through her window. This is not a good look. Like I, I always think it's funny cause he's uh, they're they're at the Romani camp yes. and He's like, okay, let's wait for Jenny. Let's go ahead and let's walk through these creepy, foggy woods alone with me, a guy that you just met a few hours earlier. And, and then he's I'm like, totally leaning you up against a tree trying to make on you right now. He is, oh my God. I mean, he's got, he's kind of that perfect, creepy nerd when he is um, just, he goes, oh yes, what about the earrings? And she's like, what earrings? He's like heading on her from the get go. She's kind of confused. And then oh. when he's, got her and up against the tree i'm just like yeah the wolf can kill you right now i'm i'm not upset about this and what he's like said like immediately he's like he leads her away alone into these foggy woods where no one's around and he's like oh yeah by the way the way i knew about your earrings was i was looking through your window so like that's a bad move it has not aged well her reaction to it makes it a little better because she's not like freaking out She's kind of like charmed by it or something. I don't know. Larry does not have good. uh, He's he's not the ladies man. No, that's what kind of thing. Not yet. No, not yet. When he becomes sad sack, I want to die. He wants to kill himself. Then the he should see he should he should have led her away and been like, I want to end my life. (laughs) Then then she would have been like, I am leaving the boring guy. Yeah. I'm leaving the boring guy. I'm going to marry you and we're going to live. Yeah. It is. Yeah. But that's what kind of what it feels with Blossy because he is a terrible flirt. He is just creepy. He's trying to be all charming and it's not working, which is why I keep thinking life has not been going Larry's way. Um, He's kind of like a loser. Yeah. He is. He's, He's this loser that sort of comes in. He's kind of, stalking this poor girl mm-hmm. and and then the attack happens and then he gets kind of attacked by the wolf and then the rest kicks off but it's when he finds his and the, the, the tragedy is is when he becomes um the wolf man is when he kind of finds his true power his confidence he's not so much of a loser he wants to do the right thing then he sort of stands up for gwen when the other ladies are um are going for her, saying, you were there when Ginny died and you were flourishing around in the woods with some man. Um, This is your fault. And he's the one who sort of stands up for her. So it's kind of, again, it's the tragedy. It's when he finds himself, it's going to be his downfall, which is great tragedy. It's, uh, he's, that whole flirting thing, The what you're describing exactly, he, Larry, Lon Chaney Jr., feels out of place in the movie. I mean, like his dad is Claude Rains. You know, yes. He's got the accent and you're like, these guys are not related, but like, no, I, it adds so much to it because he really does feel like a fish out of water. And like, he's, he, that is creepy, undeniably creepy, but like, there is something about him that is so haunting and like tragic that like, I don't know, man, I can't help but love him. No, you can't help but love him because even when he comes back, one of the first things is Claude Rains says to him, I love Claude Rains so much in this movie, 
is mm. that pretty much you were the second son, you were the unwanted son. So you had to go off, which is the second son's role, as in just you yeah. go away, you're not needed because your brother is going right. to be taking care of the estate. Mm-hmm. So when his brother dies, uh, which is what I love about the Wolfman, is that you find out that the whole family is a bunch of wolf people and it's like a kind of a thing where they were just killing each other off. Um, but I love the fact that, so he's got to come back to kind of take the role of his older brother, but because he was never trained for it, he can't do it. Like yeah. he's just not right. And he, everyone yes. knows it. Everyone's really awkward around him. I mean, especially the guy with the dog who's runs the, um, who's like the manager of the estate. Mm-hmm. Doesn't like him from the get go, mainly because he's um, stalking his girlfriend, but you know, mm-hmm. um, but there is an element to that. He of this man does not belong in this community, and he's even more isolated when he becomes the Wolfman, because it's almost like the Romany curse, which is this very um thing of how people thought of the the Romany at the time, and a very universal kind of thing. But yeah, he's even further isolated from the community. So of course, it's the tragedy that it's his father who beats him to death with the stick. I mean, that is. I forget how brutal that ending is every single time I watch yes. it. It kind of kicks me in the gut. Oh, yes. It's so sad. Oh, and he, Claude Rains really goes for it. I mean, he is. He is wailing. He's, He's wailing. wailing on him. Oh, God. And it's like, even though he knows, he doesn't know it's him, you can almost feel like it is this outpouring of frustration with like. Yes. Yeah. It's just like. Man, this is a great movie. It is um, so good. It is just so <laughs> smartly put together. Just the way it is turned into a great tragedy. It is. Um, every, all the performances are really good. I mean, Lon Chaney Jr. kills it as... Um, I mean, it's kind of one of those roles for him that made his career, but I think almost... Well, he had a lot of issues anyway, but right. he was never not going to be the Wolfman after right. that movie. Yeah, I'm a little sad that he never got his own like a solo sequel. Yes. However, I love. I mean, I love the first two thirds of Frankenstein meets the Wolfman as a Wolfman sequel. Yeah. To me, like the the. I mean, I really like that whole movie. The least kind of my my least favorite part of the movie is the when the Frankenstein monster comes into it, and it has to be become about that for a little bit. That's only but, fifteen minutes to the end, so right, 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 right. I wish he had more sequels, like uh, like Frankenstein. You know, got so many, and but um, I mean, it's it's. It, I don't know. I I do love his arc that we kind of talked about in the sequels that that we got. Even in something like um, Abbott and Costello, which is a complete farce, he brings this amazing pathos to the movie because he is literally doing his thing of, I would like to end my life. I don't want to be here. And we've got um, Abbott and Costello yucking it up. Those are my still favorite line is, oh, I can only work so-and-so hours. Wait, I thought our union could work eight. I'm in two unions. Um, <laughs> I belong to two, two unions. unions. <laughs> My it's, favorite line is is Lon Chaney being like, at night when the moon is full, I turn into a wolf. And Luke Costello says, you and 20 million other guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Great stuff. Yeah, it's so, so good. I mean, it's such a good movie, but he's still bringing that 
seriousness and pathos that you need to counterbalance the absolute yes. insanity that um, Costello, Abbott and Costello are bringing. And mm-hmm. one of my, it's becoming one of my favorite Universal movies, House of Frankenstein, is because of the Larry, is Larry Talbot, is Lon Chaney's performance. He has, he keeps, I mean, yeah, it's the same thing. He's the sad, he's kind of the sad sack who women love. Um, but the fact that he brings so much pathos to this character and these movies that are all silly around it. Like, I, I realize that the, the more the Universal Monsters movies go on, the sillier they get. But then yes. you have Blonde Chaney Jr. in there just acting his heart out with every single one, and it kind of grounds them in a way. And yes. this one, he does the exact same thing, and it is... No, Bride of Frankenstein... No, Bride of Frankenstein has that has the kind of the camp quality so it's it does have sad moments but this is the wolfman is the sad one that is the one where your heart just breaks yeah right it's like you know you're right there is a bit of irony to bride of frankenstein like yes i mean it is tragic it is tragic when she rejects him and he's like she hate me but 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 at the same time it is we all die (laughs) it is a little tongue-in-cheek it is a little tongue-in-cheek well couldn't Mm -hmm. help himself i mean I mean, yes, you do feel for the monster because all he wants to do is be loved. Like, that's mm-hmm. all he wants. He, again, he's like friggin' Bigfoot. He just wants to come in for a meatloaf. Um, right. Though my favorite line from friggin' Young Frankenstein is, I was going to make espresso, and I don't know why. It's... <laughs> I was going to make espresso. espresso. It oh, is... and King Gene Hackman. Oh, yes. my God. Just, he just comes in and kills that friggin' scene, and he's the best. It, it, um, but yeah, there's this winking at the camera. This has no winking, and I love Bride. Like Bride, it just oh yes. my god, I, I oh, love it's it a, so much. It's a perfect movie. Yeah, it's a perfect it's movie. Um, but Wolfman is the movie you kind of want to hug because you do want to give Larry Talbot a big hug, even at the beginning yes. when you first meet him, because he's just a sad boy, and yeah. <laughs> you just want to go. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> It's... Even if he's stalking a woman, I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, Larry, Larry. You know, you mentioned House of Frankenstein. I think that that might be the most fun Universal movie. I That's the one that if you're having a party or you're doing a marathon, that's the one you plug in because it's just like it's a nonstop, like fun kind of thrill ride. It really it, is. It, yeah. It's such a blast. Yeah. It is the fun one. It is just the one that you just want to have a good time. It's a monster mash party. It's kind of what I want my collective monster movies to be. It's, 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 yeah. And it's, it's just fun. I mean, though, mm. you know, it's not like when you're watching Wolfman, you're like, oh, they're making all the right choices with this. Mm. They're doing all the characters right. They know their storytelling beats. Um, they know that how it's going to, like, I love the, the moment is heartbreaking when Larry actually tells his dad, I'm turning into a wolf at night mm-hmm. and i've seen the next pentacle thing and it's with the woman that i'm falling in love with um and the way claude Rains doesn't believe him but yet does this thing of like well we'll, we'll tie you to a chair i'm going to keep you safe right. so you think you're safe even though i need to go hunt this thing and when it's you're like how you don't see him get out do you he just starts wandering around the forest um I'm trying to remember. Uh, yeah, I don't think you see him break out. Yeah. You just assume that he's super strong because the next thing you do, he's just like going around that. I mm. love the set of the forest so much. 
the set of the forest, like with the crooked trees and the fog covering everything and him just tiptoeing his way through the forest. Like, I mean, I remember there's this old episode of full house, weirdly enough, weirdly, like so many older pieces of media that would use universal monster movies as like, you know, a little background stuff. I remember the Wolfman being used almost more than any other. I may be, I mean, that can't be true, but Mm. maybe it's just because it was my favorite. I noticed it more, but I specifically remember there's an episode of full house and I do not like full house, but there's an episode of full house where one of the kids is like really afraid of a movie that she saw on TV and the movie is the Wolfman and it's the scene of him tiptoeing through the fog and everything. So I think I remember this. It, yeah, yeah. I don't know it, why that popped in. I don't know why. No, that popped in my it's amazing what you realize you used to watch as a kid. Cause it was, it was on TV. Yes. <laughs> it, was, was it was just on. Yeah. It's just on. And I just needed some, my parents needed me to, be distracted by something I guess. yeah I pretty know. much that yeah because i was just like going i don't think i liked full house but i know i watched a lot of it i think it was that- watched so much that crap because <laughs> it was on oh man something to me another thing another connection to legend of boggy creek i think the howl in this movie is very scary because it's clearly a man doing an imitation of a wolf scream and that always gives me the chills whenever in a horror movie, something is imitating the sound of an animal. I always yeah, remember right. in, the, in the Hills Have Eyes remake, the mutants are doing like the dog noise to try and lure the kid away from the camper trailer. Mm-hmm. And there's like an old, I think there's an old movie called like, it's not Hobgoblins. It's like Ghoulies or something. And there's a part where a little ghoulie is making the noise of a cat to lure someone away. So anytime I hear a person doing an animal noise, just gives me the the chills. So I think the howl in this movie is very eerie. It really does. It's got that uncanny valley thing, like with the Bigfoot yes. howl. Like it doesn't sound normal. Because it, it is probably a guy mimicking like a um, like what they think, what they've heard people say a Bigfoot cry is like, because no one's actually captured a Bigfoot howl on, <laughs> on tape. I don't think. Oh, Lindsay. <laughs> they have. Oh, they have. <laughs> they have. And some of them are the most bizarre and like, I mean, like, here's in, in all actuality, it's probably just, you know, people mess around. Even if that's true, the recordings they have are horrifying. I'll try. Oh. I think they're called like the Sierra recordings or something like that they were taken in california they're very bizarre and very unsettling but but i know what you're talking i know what you're getting at yes yes with the howl and a human approximation of what they think yeah yes and it's always especially when the boggy creek you just get like a landscape and you just hear with no one in it and you just hear that whatever it is i'm sounding like a happy dog um (laughs) river river raggy um it's and the same when you hear it is a human being which would have been more of a practical thing because it was easy just to record a guy going oh Mm -hmm. in in a a microphone but it does make it almost because you're like wait that's a dude and you don't know how to approximate it because the wolf man is kind of 
we're used to the Wolfman now, but when it's like a human cry, it's like, wait, is this a guy who's pretending to be a wolf? And why is that? Right. Does, why does that feel more dangerous than an actual wolf? Yeah. Why yeah. would he want to be sounding like that? Exactly. <laughs> it's very, very creepy. It's very creepy. It's unnatural. Mm-hmm. It's not. Um, I mean, yes, humans have very sort of animal instincts because we are still mammals. But when you are mimicking another animal and kind of make it's not like pretending to be anything else, it's it does get this really creepy factor, and I kind of love it because you're suddenly going, "What's wrong with this person?" And I go, mm. "Now I don't trust anything about it." Yeah, I'm always surprised that the Wolfman himself only kills one person in the movie. He only kills Richardson, the gravedigger. Yes, yes, he does. I'm I'm always surprised by that because you think like feral werewolf, and and in all the sequels, in this movie he just chokes him. Yeah, <laughs> he gives him he gives him the universal special. All the monsters only choke people. I was actually going to say <laughs> he does the universal special because they they love to choke him, choke a person. That's what they Except do. Except Dracula, everyone else always chokes people, and the I'm not going to spoil anything, but the. Uh, the villain of She-Wolf of London also is like sh- she's like the only one who or well spoilers <laughs> the, the, vill- the villain of that movie is the is like an outlier there too oh interesting I still haven't seen that one it's pretty good I was yeah. very disappointed the first time I saw it after I knew what I was getting myself into very cool little movie oh kind I'm of- gonna yeah kind of fits in with like curse of curse of the cat people where it's like it doesn't really tie into the original but it is a very spooky vibe kind of horror movie oh very cool it's yeah because i know with um dracula's daughter daughter of dracula it definitely is not meant to tie in but they do that quick beginning of when they hear a van helsing and i'm like I love that movie. I love that movie. Ben Helsing's like, oh no, I, I stink Count Dracula. The police are like, yes, yes, come with yes. us. Come with you us. You're, you're now going to be in the cell for the rest of the movie. It's just like, wait, what? <laughs> no, no, you can't do this. Like, Ryan Johnson wept. That is a subversion of expectations. That is an absolute subversion of expectations. <laughs> you're just locking your hero in a prison for the rest of the movie. So the and then you just bring in the other vampire and she's just doing her thing. Like it's that is yeah, it's, such it's a, amazing. Oh, that's a great movie. Uh, so, so good. You mentioned, and you're right, George Wagner is no Todd Browning or or James Whale. However, the flourish the flourish you know the stylistic touch i really like in this movie is whenever he's about to transform those little surreal montages yes i love those i love those no they're good it's i mean this movie is incredibly stylish in a way that you don't mm-hmm. necessarily notice on the first um the first watch like when you sort of watch it, especially after you say, because when I did, when I first time I watched, I had just gone through a whole bunch of watching like Frankenstein and some Draculas and a lot of Todd Browning and 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 um and and Whale, and mm-hmm. then you get to the um werewolf movie and it seems very standard, but then you watch it a couple more times and you're like, oh no wait, there's the set design, there's little montages, there's the mm-hmm. way he films the the transformation, there's a whole 
the way he kind of films the Romany camp versus how he films the antique store, it is um, there's all these little touches that you just go, oh no, this is this is so smartly directed. He's it's definitely yeah. gothic style. It's just not as in your face as say um, a James Whale does with Frankenstein. That's a good way. That's a good way to put it. Mm. Absolutely. It's subtle gothic, um, not overly. Gothic, it right? is subtle yeah. gothic. It really mm-hmm. only creeps in in the woods and stuff. But I mean, that's that's great because you feel safe when you're in the other environments, and then when you're in the woods, you're like, okay, I wandered into Hansel and Gretel, and now now I'm gonna get eaten. <laughs> you that, know, that, that's exactly it. When you're in town, you feel safe because there's no, um, because the mob has to go to the forest to go and kill the monster, where there's the monsters always in the town, and people have to rise up with their pitchforks. Um, yes. But yeah, you're, no, you're right. There's the Hansel and Gretel forest that's right next to the modern town, and the two have to can't necessarily coexist, which is why it's so important that Larry is the werewolf because he's kind of mm-hmm. coming in from the the town into the into the forest. But um, no, it's just really smartly done. It's like the first time I watched Rare Window, and I went, "Oh yeah, that was good." And then you watch it, and like, wait, they built that apartment set. They're, he's doing all these. <laughs> It's insane. Yeah, and it's it's, insane. It, takes you, it takes you a minute to realize of like going, wait, Hitchcock did oh, this thing, and now this is I'm a dollhouse. The size. This is a dollhouse the size of an actual apartment building. Yes, and he, and he built yeah. that, and it's not on that scale. But Wolfman does have those qualities to it. Like you just don't notice yes. how all the pieces kind of fit together. And when you think about it, you're like, oh yeah, this is really smart and really good. And Kurt Sidemack is a wrote a brilliant screenplay and George Wagner mm-hmm. directed the hell out of it. And everyone is really good in this movie, uh, especially Lon Chaney Jr. Who it's, I mean, he is, oh yeah. I kind of wish he had a slightly different career, but at the same time, he is my Wolfman. So mm-hmm. right. yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm the same way. I feel the same way. Like I love Lon Chaney Jr. I know he had his issues and whatnot, but I mean, Larry Talbot is just so formative to so much of my early movie watching life. You know, I, I, I love the character. So he's like a Mount Rushmore figurehead in, in my imagination. Yeah. I think he is for Daniel from cobwebs as well. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. When we mentioned Dan, it's, it's Daniel from cobwebs who I know he loves this movie. Like this is his mm-hmm. favorite universal movie. Um, I know he's done a really good episode on terror table with Mitch Oliver and mm-hmm. Boozy about it. It is, but it is so formative into how we think about horror now, like how yeah. we, no, it's one of those big kind of ground zero movies that you're just like, oh yeah, this is where this whole thing all started. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, uh, th- there's two more things I want to talk about. I do think we need to mention Maria Openskaya as, uh, oh, um, what's our uh, character's name? Uh, Why am I blinking? I, he is so good. Maleva. Maleva. Yes. Yes. I, so I had never really, you know, I, it's one of these things where I've seen this movie a bunch. So I may have like taken it for granted a bit. I've never really thought about uh, how interesting it is, how much she cares for Larry. And it carries over into the sequel. Yeah, it does. And now. I thought about it overnight because I was like, huh, that's interesting. I thought about it overnight and 
as much as she may, because at first I was like, maybe she feels responsible for him or something like that. Because mm. uh, maybe she sees that he's been, you know, dealt a bad hand and she's partly responsible because it was her son who did this to him. Mm. I think maybe she sees, because she is like a mother figure to him. I think maybe, which is interesting because he doesn't have a mother in the movie. But um, I think what, to me, what it is, is, that is the last piece of her son that still remains is what lives in him is the curse. And so she's wanting to protect him the way she couldn't have protected Bella. I think that's exactly it because you're right. He doesn't have a mother and she does become his mother figure. And yeah, I think that's, I think that's exactly right. And I think it makes her character so much more interesting because she is the, the, the mother of, she's the mother wolf and she all she wants to do is protect Larry. Like as soon as he gets bitten, she is mm-hmm. there. So she's a very, it's a very good performance too. It's a yeah. very like sad and very sweet performance. And I always kind of forget about that because as a kid, you know, the, the Romani people are coded as other. So you're, you're like, Ooh, they're creepy. They live outside town. They, they're the ones, you know, one of them is a werewolf, but you, like watching it all these years later, I'm like, oh, that's a very sweet performance. It is. And she kind of brings him into the Romani community because you're right. They are always coded as the other. And Universal did this with every single movie they had them in. Like it was mm-hmm. the the other. But this one, she's, yeah, she does kind of make him part of her community and her family. And I think that's a really sweet, sad performance. Like she kind of knows that it's not going to end well. Like you can kind of sense that she knows that this is going to end in tragedy, just like it did right. her son. Like she's waiting for that. Like I love the moment when he sees the pentacle in Ginny's hand. Bella's so good in this. Um, that really, he called his character Bella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, guys, come on. Um, so it's, so he sees the pentacle and you can just see her when he sort of goes around with his back straight, she's just looking at him going, Oh no, it's going to happen again. Um, yeah. And great look for Bella too. Like oh, amazing mustache game on Bella. So good mustache game. Like he <laughs> he is so good. And especially when he sees that thing on the hand. I love the detail of when they see their next victim on the hand. I think it's such a mm-hmm. good I wish they kept that in, in werewolf lore. Because I think that I is did so too. Cool. Yes. Like like that that's the trigger right there. Yeah. Is that oh, mm. this is the victim, so I'm gonna turn into the wolf and I'm gonna eat you. Yeah, they're um, like imprinted, which I get. Maybe that carried over. No, that's way different in Twilight. Way, <laughs> way different in Twilight. No, that's oh god, don't get me started on the last thing I want to bring up because this was interesting. I did not know this till recently. The original idea for this movie, The Wolfman, was that they would never show the werewolf, and that it would be all psychological. It would all be. The end reveal would be that it was all in Larry's head. Now, oh, they love Val Luton. I was going to say they're going to Val Luton it. Yeah, I love Val Luton, but as a universal monster movie, I would have been so disappointed. Me too. Like, it's you. I mean, even Val Luton would criticize Universal because of that very thing, because they always showed the monster. And Val Luton yeah. was like, no, 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 we're not going to show you the panther. Like, you'll hear the panther and right. you'll get sort of all these things. Um, but even Val Luton, 
knew that like okay it really has to be a monster it can be ambiguous but like it's still in there that like it was a monster we just didn't show it this would have been like a cat yeah yeah this would have been the cop-out it's just like a you know it was all a dream yeah yes yes yeah no i'm glad i like the idea in theory and i wouldn't mind seeing that in a movie just not the universal monster movie of 1941 that would have been right yeah. I couldn't have seen that work. I could not have seen that working. No. Very happy that the studio Nate, the studio, very happy with that studio note in particular. We want to see the monster. Jet, yeah. We've got Jack Get- Pierce. We're not going to fire him for another two years. <laughs> Give it. us a wolfman in this movie called The Wolfman. Yes. <laughs> we said we wanted a wolfman. Give us the wolfman. Um, no, that would have been a that would have been a fascinating movie in terms of the psychology of MI. And I think certain um because you've seen uh the jim cummings movie wolf hollow one of uh, my favorite movie that year i love wolf of snow hollow it's wolf of snow yes. hollow yes um that yes. movie plays with the psych- psychological element of is this guy mm. a wolf or is this guy just a weird yes. murderer kind of thing and i, I love- think that movie pulls it yeah. off because the the twist the or not really the twist but the reveal is somehow more absurd than what you thought was, you know, what the movie was. Oh my God. Uh, Robert Forster going, oh my God, um, I'm getting more emails than my birthday. 16 of them is still one of the funniest lines. <laughs> oh my God, I'm getting emails, that it's is, like my birthday. That is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God bless Foster. Um, I love that movie. And I think you're right. The yes. uh, reveal on that movie is more absurd than you think it's going to be. And it works perfectly because Jim Cummings has that sentiment i love jim cummings man i love jim cummings how do you feel about uh uh how are you feeling about the uh the wolfman remake from bloomhouse that is starring ryan gosling and who's directing it is it david i thought it was david eggers or something but no hang on um i'm all for it in theory because i want to get a new wolfman movie um and i've got that daniel epler point of view of i want it as long as it's good if it's not good i don't want it but i'm in that Mm -hmm. thing of i don't know if it's gonna be good and i I, think and i think and because it's like being made now i have a um sneaky suspicion it's going to be more about the psychological and not yeah um yeah derek uh cine france is, is you're right he's he's directing it yeah but i think i i mean like i'm down i love werewolves so of course i'm gonna see it i'm gonna be excited i am just not crazy with bloomhouse taking these these this this property that i love and i know i'm gonna sound like a little fanboy here and that's annoying but like clearly all they care about are the names and not the characters like yes invisible man was a cool movie but it is i mean it's not the invisible man and like i mean you know and 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 at this point it's like well the invisible man has already been made so you don't need another invisible man okay 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 i just like i wish that there were some new movies with the respect for these characters it would be like if i don't know i don't have a good one-to-one for these but it you know, like these guys were my super, these characters were my superheroes. So the, it would be like if they 
made a Spider-Man movie and it was about like a, I mean, it wasn't that it just wasn't Peter Parker or Miles Morales. It'd be the it person like, who knew Spider-Man, not the Spider-Man. Yeah, and it I, wasn't even a Spider-Man. Like, I mean, yeah. like, you know, it, it wasn't even like a, a Spider-Man type character like at all. It didn't even resemble Spider-Man at all. It was just the name. So it like, it kind of annoys me, but you know, what are you going to do? I mean, I, I I totally get that because when you want that character. And I do think with Invisible Man, I thought it was interesting looking at it from the people who were affected by Invisible Man. But I think that's the only one it would work with. I think if you're going to do that for the Wolfman, I don't think it's going to work. Because even with cat people, you were still following Simone Simone. You were following Mm -hmm. her feelings. You don't see her turn into the the cat or the panther. Um, Mm -hmm. But you do know that something is happening to her and it's her story. Um, doing and now I've just seen uh, reminded myself who the director is. I'm like, oh, this is um, Across the Pines and Blue Valentine guy. It's and I like those movies. I like those movies. I'm just wondering what his sensibility is going to look like with a Wolfman movie. Yeah, what the hell is that going to be? Which yeah. is kind of exciting because like the guy who made Blue Valentine's make a werewolf movie. Okay, okay, <laughs> but this is this is going to be cool. But all the same time, I'm like, if it's Blumhouse, do they want it to be another psychological horror movie? Which yeah. I'm like, that's it's gonna it's gonna be a one point three million dollar movie in a suburb. <laughs> like I mean, it's just like yeah, that's their like thing, you know. Yeah, know. it's like I mean, the Boogeyman was not made by Blumhouse, but it felt like a Blumhouse movie. Kind of did, yeah. Yeah, uh, I can't remember if we're talking about the Boogeyman off mic or on mic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so long ago. No. Um, it, it yeah it is but it's kind of that kind of feeling so i'm a, i i want another wolfman movie because i love werewolf i do i love werewolf movies but i haven't seen enough of them which is kind of why i'm thinking i want to do this as, as a series down the line toward october because it'd be cool to finally see a whole bunch of werewolf movies i haven't seen because mm-hmm. i love well, the idea so much yeah i've only seen the big big ones like you know howling american werewolf in london um mm-hmm. yeah the wolfman both of them this kind of thing so well, you're good because like you don't I mean, you've got a lot of ideas coming up for for Halloween season. You don't have to do the werewolves for um, October, because sure. if you wanted if you wanted to extend your Halloween season, it the, the poem says the autumn moon when the autumn moon is bright. So it could really be any yes. month in fall. It you could know? be. So yeah, I could do I could do it any time, but it's a, it's a subject that fascinates me because I think it's just like the transformation, the way it's been turned into like a puberty me- metaphor, the way it's. I mean, you could do a psychological or something with with it, but I, oh god, is he yeah. going to do like the original thing? Like Ryan Gosling thinks it's in its mind. It's like American Psycho thing, which I'm not sure I'm on board for. But it depends how the movie yeah. turns out. Yeah, we shall see. We, we shall, shall see. see. We've uh, already got a perfect Wolfman remake, so you know exactly. <laughs> I can go back and watch the 2010 anytime I want. There we go. There we go. You know what? Never mind. I, I I'm all I'm all on board for the new one. We've already yeah. got the perfect Wolfman remake. So. Exactly. Someone went I'm for happy. the Gothic. Someone went for the Gothic yeah. card in that movie. Uh, Joe Johnson. Not well, not someone. It was Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson is the man. He is. He is so good. Oh okay. my god. He is awesome. Um. Anything else you want to say about the Wolfman before we finish up? It's a perfect movie. Mark Warner says, check it out. No, <laughs> that's cool, baby. That's, yeah. Mark Warner says, it's cool, baby. 
I've got to stop doing like inside jokes and references whenever I guest on these podcasts. That is Film Feast jobs for the inside joke. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I got to keep it to Film Feast. No, no, it's all good. But yeah, I think even Matt mentioned it's like, oh my God, um, even someone complained about the end jokes. I'm like, no, it's what I love about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on the journey, whole journey with Film Feast. So I understand all the, all the end jokes and I love them and I love it when they're brought up. I think that's where half of them start, to be honest. Oh, yeah, definitely. And to see them develop, that is storytelling right there. It is. That's finest. Especially when it goes into other podcasts like mine, because I'm always like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on, agreeing to come on for this double. It's been a blast. I finally got to watch Boggy Creek, and that was, it's yeah, it's, Harry Man Were Lonely in the Woods was kind of a great double. <laughs> Absolutely. Kind of yeah. This this turned out to be such a more, like, cohesive kind of discussion than i kind of originally thought i had a great time thank you so much for inviting me on to talk about these movies no no thank you so much for coming on um and before we go please tell people where they can find your good work oh okay um i i'm really only on letterboxd uh my handle is hayden comes alive i have a link in there uh in my bio to where you can find uh where my short stories have been published they're Right now, they're all in um, separate anthologies. However, I'm kind of working on hopefully we'll get something going to where I can get my own uh, short story collection published. So, you know, you'd, it, it will be easier to, to recommend that to everybody. But um, right now, I'm just on Letterboxd. So you can find me there. I write stupid little movie reviews. So No, and they're great, stupid little reviews. I, I absolutely no, well, adore you. them. No, yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, yeah, schluck and all. Uh, Schlock and all one on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Reading Geek on Twitter and Letterboxd as well. If you want to follow me, um, if you want to give the show a review, uh, Spotify or uh, Apple, um, Apple Podcasts, wherever it's called. Yeah, gonna start doing that. Um, yeah, thank you for coming on. This was an absolute blast. I can't wait to do it again. Um, especially if you're around, like for the uh, open homer Barbie party that I think I'm gonna be having with everyone coming on. <laughs> I would absolutely love to. It remains to be seen what my schedule will be like in July, but if I'm free, I'm there. Oh, yes. Uh, it is going to be a magical and long and probably amusing experience, <laughs> but we'll see how it goes. Anyway, uh, thank you so much. This has been an absolute blast. Can't wait to do it again. And we will be back with another double feature. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.